special episode of Zap to the Past. 1987 is done. We have passed it. We have done. And now it is our time to review that year, to look back over it and award some games awards. Uh, So it's the Golden Breadbin Awards, the 1987 Golden Breadbin Awards. And that's what we're here to do. We've got a load of categories to get through. We're going to chat about the year. We're going to look at what's coming next year. We've got stuff to cite little bits and bobs to announce, maybe all kinds of stuff. It's got to be different. It's not your usual one where we look at loads of games. But if you've listened to our Breadbin Awards for the past two years, you'll kind of know what's coming. We've got categories. What categories have we got? We've got best visuals. We've got the crapcade conversion. Uh, we've got the Sunday best. We'll explain what all these mean as we get to them. Best sounds, craziest concepts, license catastrophe, and best game. And of course, we'll also name what we think is our best film of the year and, uh, well, best music. But if you've listened to the last two Breadbin Awards, you probably know what the best music is. It's already there, probably. But don't I don't give know. it away. I won't. I won't give it away, no, but it is the ongoing whatever. Um, right, yeah, so that's this episode. As like I said, it's a bit different, so there's no Graham giving you his whatever that his uh, spiel is to describe all the games. No, we're just going to get straight into it. So should we should we have a chat about 1987 now or leave it to the end, or what do you think? Should we just do it now? I think just to, you can do a quick chat, just, you know, just to a quick, what, what did you think to 1987 sort of thing? Okay, so the one thing I will say about 1987, I've got some stats to, to go through as well, but I'll do, I'll do that in a minute. Actually, I'll go through the stats now because that might lead into some interesting discussion as well. So the number of games that we looked at this year was 320. That's about just over 100 more than last year. So in the last, what is it? We started, I think it was episode 42. We've gone up to episode 70, so 29 episodes, I think. Average number wow. of games per month is 26.66 recurring that's like that's so that's over 13 a week <laughs> on average the highest score for the year there was only one it was 98 percent last year we had a few but this year it's just 98 percent for head over heels there was that the lowest score uh was the uh you know you probably heard us well you should remember this from a few weeks back the further adventures of alice in video land with three percent was the only one down there the closest one was eight percent so i don't know there were six gold medals this year awarded by zap they were head over heels bubble bobble boogie boy nebulous shoot 'em up construction kit and i should have noted the last one down what was the 
Oh, what was it? Uh, head of Heels. Anyway, there's six. 33 Sizzlers, which I'm not going to go through. So that's 33 Sizzlers. Um, and there were 22 games that got under 20%. Okay. Um, so there you go. Average review score across the year was 59%. Is that all? Yeah. No, that's well, that's average, isn't it? You know, and it all bounces out, I guess. Tops and tops and tails. Um, and only two games. There was loads last year, but only two games have joined the 99 club. 99% for something. And the first one was Park Patrol, and that got 99% for value for money. Um, well, And that's a strange one, that, because value for money was booted out the uh, ratings midway through the year. And then they started just giving budget games a single score, didn't they? So Yeah, they did, yeah. There was that. And then there was uh, Brian Clough's Football Fortunes. That's the one with the Pepsi board game and all that, wasn't yeah, it? 99% presentation. So what about this year? What can we say about this year? We were really looking forward to this year. I seem to remember we were looking at 1987 going, oh, it's going to be great. There's loads of great games, loads of big games. But all I remember from this year is... A lot of weeks was were very trying because trying to get through, you know, 13 games a week has been quite tricky <laughs> at times, especially as the, the level of quality that I was kind of expecting. I mean, this is the fifth year of the machine's life. I was expecting it to be higher, but we, what we've seen as, as this as this year has gone on is it's just that just hasn't happened, and it's it's just been a you know there's just been some, don't get me wrong there's been some good games, but the the majority the vast majority that we've seen have been you know average to bad. Um, Shite. We can say it. We can, <laughs> can say it. Shite. I can, I can say it. Okay. Shite. Um, but yeah, and it's and I, I, it quite surprised me actually. And, and the number of games. I mean, this is you know I think this is the highest number of games. Maybe 1988. I think just it starts to dip. So 1987. I think is the C64's big big year for games. And I was trying to big figure year. out you know what it was, but it was. I think what we've seen is you know in the budget range we've seen a lot of re-releases. So a lot a lot of stuff coming through. That was released by Activision, especially in 1983, 1984. So we saw a lot of those kind of re-releases coming through. And some of those were good, some of them were bad. But we also saw we, we saw a proliferation of badly thought out. We'll talk about these in the actual categories a bit more. But we saw a lot yeah. of badly thought out, badly conceived licenses, conversions that didn't do anybody any justice. They were no good for the programmer. They were no good for the, you know, I, I don't know whether they made them lots of money. We see, see these uh, games at the top of the charts, which is always quite painful to see. But it's quite, you know, you, when you go back and revisit some of these games and just the genericism and the lack of thought and the, just the turnaround and the, you know what, you know, coming at it from now, you you understand you've read the stories of what was going on back then. But I mean, back then as a kid of 15, 14, you kind of didn't really understand. You just, you know, Scooby-Doo, whatever it is, Scooby-Doo game. It's bound to be yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, it's Thundercats game. It's bound to be all right. But it, you know, generally wasn't. And and I think looking back, it it's, I, I have a real kind of cynical view of what was going on back then. It's a real like, it feels to me like the, 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 there's this talk of like towards the late 80s, you know, money, you know, and business had really started to step in. And I think we've seen that in this year um, with the C64 releases, that it's it's become more about just get something out there. I mean, we saw some of it last year with Knight Rider and things like that. But this year seems to have really hammered that home for me. Um and I mean, there's high points. There's been some, you know, there's been some good games. There's a few, and a very, I mean, considering 320 games, there's been very few hidden gems that have popped up that we've not, either not known about, not seen, not played, um, or just otherwise. But most of it has just been like, I've been just a wash in brown, you know, brown average. And, and that's, you know, and, and I, I, I no guess it's because, 
No one wants that. It's, it's maybe because as you look at the year, you know, more, more people have got access to the machine. The machine's obviously selling very well. More people are learning to program it. And as we've noted on several occasions, it's like, that's good. You've made a game. Just show it to your mates. Just show it to your friends and keep it and then get better. And then when you've made a good game, release it. But I think what's happened is anything that could get put on a tape and get given to a budget label that vaguely worked or was freeze-framed, you know, was getting released. So it is what it is, but it really has opened my eyes to, I think, to what was a period of money grabbing. And I think customer exploitation on quite a level and this is just one machine remember this is just commodore 64 god knows what it was like on the spectrum which was a probably had even more games released for it but it's been a i think i've been i will say i've been disappointed in 1987 overall which is not what i was expecting at the beginning so there you go what about you a year of strange contrasts for me um a year where when the production team and the good programmers and the good artists and the good musicians are on their game and by that i mean that they're on their you know they're at the peak of their performance with the machine things happen in good ways mm. but the majority of it isn't that there's never never seems to be only when the good complete teams come together and even then even then it's not always right you know we've seen a number of genres that have been explored um shooters there's been a lot more shooters you now we mm. said we were saying in the previous year you know we would like to see more shooters well we got a well, I wish came true. <laughs> Absolutely. The monkey's paw curled up, didn't it? <laughs> you, you wish for more shooters. <laughs> so, so we got more, you know, and we got what we asked for. Now, the quality of those varied so wildly is quite remarkable. Obviously, the coding techniques started to improve. But like I said, it wasn't across the board. Young, There's a lot of young programmers in there. I think some of this is driven also, the sort of quality is split between expensive productions, full price games. There's a whole slew of disc-based stuff that seems to sit in an uncomfortable place in the UK retail space. So that kind of, we kind of get tape versions of things that don't always work. We've also got the budget versus sort of full price thing. And then we've got sort of weird combo things. So, you know, we've seen a couple of logic, a couple of logic of releases where they've said, we want a C64, C16 version and the Spectrum version. And they're not given much time to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not, so a lot of the time, I think the development of the game is kind of seen as, uh, well, it's, you know, it's just get on with it. It's easy to do. It's quick. And no, nothing is, you know, nothing worthwhile is easy in this particular field. Nope. And so where the time has been spent to produce something and where they've been given some affordance to do that and the programmers have been given a bit more freedom to explore that kind of idea, you get really good games and some really interesting ones in there. Or you've got teams that just work really well together, John Hare and uh, um, Cuddly Crick spring to mind and people like that. Um, so you've got these kind of teams that are starting to develop, and of course they become more powerhousey as they develop. Now we all know what what, uh, um, and I'm just using them as an example, but we all know that the Andrew Braybrook games. We don't know, but we know what kind of quality to expect there. We know that sensible games, and we know where it kind of leads in the Amiga space. So we know that these, you know, they start to just get better and better. But I think there's also a lot of it's just a sea of average. What's disappointed me is the persistent um, waste of licenses that we've seen throughout the year because that seems to be a concurrent theme. Persistent waste of licenses. Mm -hmm. I don't mind ambition in games. So when it comes to arcade conversions, I don't mind ambition. But blind ambition is different. You're trading a fine line between ambition and exploitation with some of those licenses. And we've seen a bit of that. Um, There's been a few sort of breakout experiences there's a few been sort of brave tries of new things and we've seen you know that sort of is very hit and miss and Zappa's kind of reflected some of that I think they like we and I felt at times this year with the 320 games I felt somewhat overwhelmed actually in some ways and I'm mm. not frightened to admit that I've got kind of you know game fatigue after 320 games and, and and I've got a bit of fatigue with some of them and I'm and I'm sort of getting a bit tired of seeing the same thing iterated upon but getting worse or no better at least 
So there are refreshing games. And Zap kind of had a, had a finger on that for a while. And then they, they sort of flirted in and out between what I agree with them on and have you played it kind of thing? And have you seen what, you know, why are you getting the scores sort of get arbitrary towards towards the end of the year? Certainly their scoring seems to get a bit kind of crazy and all over the place. Whereas in the beginning of the year, we were often more or less in complete agreement with their scoring and their sort of perception. And it's, that's changed wildly for me throughout the, towards the end of the year where I'm finding some of the budget games have got higher scores and they don't deserve them and some games that should have been higher didn't. And it's all a bit gone a bit mad in that way. And I think it's reflective of where the games are at. You know, we've got a complex series of games that people are getting better at programming, but not necessarily across the board. There is definitely a logic of get the game out there because, you know, the quicker it's on the shelf, the quicker we could be accumulating either £2 or £10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think where there is a licensed game and, a, and some people behind it, if it's crap, it's either down to sort of undue pressure for the programmers. So, you know, we need this ready in six weeks, kind of thing, off you go. And an expectation that that's doable because it's just a Commodore 64. You know, what is it? What is it? It's just sprites. And, you know, and I think there's a bit of callous production logic being put into play that perhaps we haven't had before because it's gone from being a, the tool of the... Um, ambitious entrepreneur to, as you say, a business and a machine and the machine of games. Um, and I think there's a lot of publishing companies that just want product out. Um, and we've seen it. And some, you know, it's all about volume of product on the shelf. If you've got 20 Firebird games on the shelf and five of those are good and 15 of those are crap, well, you're still selling 20 games at the end of the day. You've got good shelf, you know, good shelf penetration. You've got good shelf view. You know, it, it, that's kind of the way it is. And what I've also found a bit odd as a final sort of hurrah to this year was the weird derivation of brands from these Firebird, Silverbird, Goldbird, you know, Turdy Bird, <laughs> Flappy Bird, um, all these budget brands that seem to have sort of, you know, revisionist versions of themselves. And, you know, in, in some instances, it's released some amazing things, Hero and some of those early Activision games really sort of showed us actually that, you know, back in 1984, that some of these designers had their heads screwed on. Then we got Roll the clock forward and we see some of the utter dog egg that's been produced by you know and i think well hang on a minute what is this is there any kind of qa threshold for any of this and i think you've hit the nail on the head of course there isn't there's no qa threshold for this i mean we know for a fact that the houston deal was a you know what was it produce a game every month for 12 months or 10 months or something odin odin sorry sorry. odin Odin, british telecom yeah so yeah the odin and british so i mean that can't be the only what variation of that i suspect there's quite a bit of that you know and we we know that there's like i said if we're going to make if we're going to release this game we want a c64 version as well okay i'll do it then they've just done it because they had to we don't put there's no love in it and i think that's Mm. where where there's love in these games where the game designer really had a good idea and they followed it through then we start to see some real magic and i guess that's what we're here to talk about aren't we so what we think is the most magical and there is there has been a few there has been a few there has been a few yes i think i think you're right it has been a kind of year of, of contrast because the, the highs are very high yes there's a, there's, a yes. there's about three or four or five guy games that blew our socks off there is again. and and i suppose really i mean one thing i'll always say is i mean when when, when I, I know from my point of view and i'm certain it's the same from your point of view i review these things in a completely honest way so I'm not one for going through some kind of retro reverie. I'm just sort of looking back and saying, everything's great. Look how marvelous these games are. They're all so amazing. Look, the whole point of this podcast was that we played every game to see if it still, see if they were still any good. Sorry to say, quite a lot of them were absolute <laughs> shit. Sorry about that. I'm not saying you're not, you know, it's not brave for trying. I'm not saying that you're a terrible person who made those things. In some instances, maybe they are. But I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying that from a a critical viewpoint, looking back and looking at it now, and it's not right to say some of these things are great because they're not. But luckily, some of them are. And here we are with our awards to find what those are. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I'm not going to disagree with any of that. So there you go. 
that's that's kind of our views. I'm sure you'll disagree. I'm sure you have different views. And let us know if you want to let us know. Tweet us. Tell us what you think. If you think we're being too harsh, then, well, you know, it is what it is. I think you've come to know us by now over yeah. the 70-odd episodes. Notably, no vector games made any of our lists. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think they even made the... Is there any in the crazy concept? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think... Anyway, let's let's we'll get into that. But... We'll get into them. Yeah, so should we get into our first award? Should we just get on with it? Yeah, I think we should. I think I think we should. All right, let's get into our first award. And our first award is for best visuals, best graphics, best visuals, best looking game, best overall package of looking great. One that looks the good, looks the yeah. goodest, looks the goodest. Yeah. So to to for those who didn't listen before, we've streamlined the process, uh, kind of just similar to what we did last year. What we've done before this all started, both Graham and I. So we listed out all the games. So this is just how it's going to work for each one. We listed out all the games. Graham picked his nominations. I picked my nominations for each category. We narrowed them down so to about five or six a piece each, and then we put them all together. Um, and that gave us a sort of a, a basic list. And so that basic list is, is this one. So I'm going to go through that. So for the best visuals, these are the ones that we singled out. So this isn't the finalist, but it's just the ones that we singled out as best visuals for 1987. That list is Nebulous, Whizball, California Games, The Last Ninja, Defender of the Crown, IK+, Barbarian, and Destroyer. So that's what we came up with. Between those, what we've done from there is we've done a simple step. If we both agreed on the game they move through to the consideration for best visuals. If we didn't both agree on it, unless we really want to argue the toss, they're not in the final category. So the ones that have made the list for best visuals are Nebulous, Whizball, The Last Ninja, Defender of the Crown, and IK+. So before we discuss them, do you wish to push for any others? Barbarian, California Games, Destroyer? No, not, not in light of the others. No, I'm happy no. with those ones. Yeah, I think I think that's a good five. I think that's going to be a tough five to whittle down anyway. So let's not uh, let's not uh, throw anything else in. Right. So let's get down to this. How do we start this? All right. So Nebulous, Whizball, Last Ninja, Defender of the Crown, IK Plus. I don't think you could have picked a more diverse range of visual games. No, no. I don't, I don't even know I how think. you compare them. <laughs> Uh, but but compare and contrast we must because all right so all right so okay so we've got nebulous and whizball maybe because that's quite good sprite work and background work and stuff but again clever nebulous scrolling last ninja is obviously the last ninja and everyone knows that defender of the crown is this amazing cinema game and ik plus is single screen beat em up with three characters how do we go about this well i think because we've got a list down to three, right? Essentially, we've got, yeah, three and then one. So, yeah. so I'm going to take. I'm going to suggest that we take IK Plus out of the running because okay. IK Plus is good visually, but it is a single screen. It is the same character, albeit technically amazingly done. I don't not disputing the technical code display, but it isn't massively graphically variable. And I don't know compared to the others that are. Um, I just don't know that IK Plus sits happily in that family. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I understand. Yeah, I can understand that argument. I mean, it's so fluid though, isn't it? And so good and so well animated. Yeah, but that's but, but that's technique. That's not. That's that's down to animation and technique. I get you. But there's no graphic variation in that. If there was lots of enemy types and yeah. different variations of background, um, but there isn't. There okay. isn't those things. So you can change the color of the sunset and you can make his pants fall down. You can make his pants fall down, man. And it looks good and he looks at you. <laughs> You can't do that in any of the others. <laughs> Those graphics haven't changed that much from IK. 
No, that's true. They just added. I mean, te- they just up the technical ability, haven't they? With another, with yeah. another character. Well, I so think it, if it, there was it, an award for best technical advancement, which obviously we haven't got, then IK Plus might have been in that list. But I don't think yeah. it's best. It's about those ones in that competition. IK Plus does not sit as well in a visual comparison. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can get behind that. That's fine. I'm not going to argue too much about that because yeah, it still leaves us four. Yes. Um, and we've got to boot one of them out. Now, I would also put to you that if Defender of the Crown should be in there because Defender of the Crown is amazing visually, but it is basically around a series of static pixel painted images. Now, this would be the, it's kind of the equivalent. Now, I don't doubt the quality of those pixel painted images and thematically it all feels the part, but there's not a lot of game graphics outside of that. Would you not argue that The Last Ninja is the same with its pixel-painted backdrops? Potentially, yeah. But you've got more variation of character and animation. At least you've got that in there. And I'm not saying The Last Ninja. Maybe there's there's elements of that. But I just think if you took the the still images out of Defender of the Crown, you wouldn't have a lot left. Its power is in its kind of visual display. And it's inherited from an Amiga. So these are variations of the Amiga graphics. And I'm not saying that they're not good because they're amazing. But I don't know if that's as visually compelling as something like The Last Ninja. But those two sit in the same fence for me because they're both about the theme and about how well they conveyed the theme. We made a note of that when we did the review of those two games Mm. because we said out of of all four of those games to some extent The Last Ninja is all about ninjas and about the world that they live in and it looks the part and thematically amazing Defender of the Crown exactly the same but obviously medieval times Knights in Shining Armor and all of that and there is a great look to Defender of the Crown as there is The Last Ninja so I'd I could take either of those in or out based on the last inch. doesn't does have a lot of similar looking gardens. You know, we we joked about it at the time. You know, this <laughs> is the does. great the ninja exploration of the garden center. Um, but friend, <laughs> friend of the crown take away its its you know its postcards and what do you've really got left? You know, if you actually have game graphics, you have the sword fight, the sort the of jow- the, the joust. joust and the map and the sort of the, and the um, catapult bit. There's not a lot of game graphics. No, okay. I, I can, yeah. Oh, God. Um, but it is best visuals, and I think they are top-notch visuals for the season. That's what I think Although, as well. What I think, the thing what I like about Defender of the Crown is not just, uh, if we're going on that, that whole, the whole package, sort of thing, the way it's all, I like the, the sort of intro screens, the way it's on the scrolls, the little sort of silhouette graphic visuals. Yeah, no, I'm not uh, saying it's not good. Um, I'm just saying, you know, think about last year when you go under the arches, for example. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds daft, but it's t- it's it's because we're down to the fact it's you're down yeah, really yeah. in this kind of category, you're down to the minutiae of detail. Yeah, last ninja. This isn't about the game. You know, the last ninja has terrible faults. You know, jumping across that river on them pe- on them stones is rubbish, and that silly dragon doesn't look that great. But the, you've got the waterfalls, you've got the, yeah, the yeah. all of those graphics, the dungeon graphics, and all the rest of it. And yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But then I think I, you know, I think about Defender of the Crown, and I think actually, no, so you're, you do, you're, you know, you're, there is a bit of booby in there, isn't there? So there is, yes. Yeah. So the argument, therefore, is, and also there's a there's a misplaced arm as well. There's a very, <laughs> there's very uh, inappropriately <laughs> placed arm. There's inappropriately placed arm reach out in yes. the, uh, the silhouette. There is, yes, yes. <laughs> which you know makes it number one for me. But hey ho, so. It's out of those two. So you're doing so your view then Nebulous and Wizball are in the top three. For me, they have to be. Okay. I think and, and I think it'd be very hard pressed to argue them out. Okay. Because of all sorts of different factors. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll drop Defender of the Crown. Okay. I'll go with that. Okay. Um okay. I can see I can see the argument for either of them. I think there's I think if if I had to come down to it, I think the there's more variety in Last Ninja. Um yeah. you know, there's, there's what is yeah. this? How many screens is there? Hundred and this you got what six <laughs> levels is there and yeah, the six yeah. different levels of dungeons. I mean, obviously the first yeah. two are just, you know, a trip trip to a 
uh, your local garden center, as you said. Yeah. Um, but it's a very pretty garden center and a garden yes. center I would like to visit. So, you know. Yes. And there's the things like... And it was available on tape. Across. It was available, available on tape. Uh, yeah, well. That's, yeah, yeah okay. well, that means, that, right, that means you that. get the loading screens for Last Ninja and you get the loading music. Remember, Friend of the Crown wasn't on tape, as far no, as I'm aware. No, it was not. No, no. I don't think it was. Okay. So that gives us the last three of Nebulous, Whizball, and The Last Ninja. Now that's okay. a tough call. Okay. So anything, let's, anything you've got there? No, I'm just going to talk about Nebulous. So for me, I mean, Nebulous, we said this in the review last week, it looks phenomenal. Not just from the sprite design. I mean, the sprites are weird, but then the sprites are weird in Whizball. But the main character, let's, if we just talk about the main character in and of itself, I love the main character. I love the way he's, like, his eyes bounce, his nose bounces, his walk, the slip, the fall, the jump in animation. The animation on the main character, whatever he's called, I can't remember his name, the Destructor. Brilliant. So that's just the main character sprite. The other sprites are well-defined, they're well-drawn. I know Whizball is all about colour, but I would also argue that Nebulous is all about colour as well, because the use of colour in Nebulous is almost some paralleled on the C64. It just look, doesn't look like anything else. And and for me, Nebulous is a, it's just, a, it's a, it kind of came out, you know, left, I remember when it came out, you know, all that time ago, back in, you know, back at the ass end of 87. And just, you know, just like, where has this come from? What, how has this happened? Because I've not even spoken about the technique of spinning that tower, which in and of itself, I think is a, if we were having the best technical visual sort of thing would be IK plus for me. It's astonishing that that spinning tower is is incredible. Even now, when I went back to it, I was like, "This is amazing." I don't know. I still don't get how he's done it. For me, Nebulous is all about the color. It's about, and but it, on top of that, it's color on top of technical no, you know, technical showcase. It's a it's a both. It's got both all in one, and it's variety as well. Yes, it's just a tower, but also you know the little touches like arriving in your submarine, the fish going past, the, the parallax scrolling, and the traveling between towers, and how smooth it all is, how seamless it all is. The destruction of the tower as it goes down, the the, the sprites coming on, the way that they speed up and slow down, the fact there's no slowdown, you know, not speed up and slow down as in the, if you're turning the tower, there's no slowdown in sight. Everything works. It's all very very crisp and clear. And it just works. For me, Nebulous is, uh, uh, you know, where I would plonk my money. But I could argue probably the same for Whizball. What do, you, what do you think about Nebulous? What would you say about Nebulous? Nebulous is an incredible thing. I was conscious, actually, when I was looking over this, that, you know, it's similar to last year, you know, we're going to have late last-minute entries coming in at the end of the year and just sort of hold my beer to all the rest of the games that we played for the whole year. Yeah, yeah. And they've had the advantage of, a, you know, a year. Um, mm. So, you know, it's, and I think, okay. Well, you've got to um, cut off, haven't you? So. No, no, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a necessarily bad thing. I think it's just it just seems to be the way of it. Nebulous is an incredible technical and visual experience and i think i would agree with you i think it tops whizball um and i'll tell you why because whizball is just it's amazing to look at but it is quite they're quite small levels and they are very abstract and they rely on a certain kind of colorization which in the context of that game really works don't get Mm. me wrong and i do like it but it is borrowing little bits off defender it's borrowing little bits of other games to make that kind of aesthetic work. Nebulous is completely out there. It is something completely new. We have never seen anything visually like it, nor mm. is there anything visually like it again. Exactly. Um, there yeah. is only one Nebulous. And for me, that means, that I, as I agree with you completely, I think if it's coming down to purely on visuals, it's head and shoulders above anything else released in that year. Yeah. Absolutely head and shoulders above it. And one guy as well who did everything. Absolutely, it's just it's mind blowing from the, from like you say the use of color, the use of sound and color, and all the things that come together. But also from that the tower rotation effect, it's just absolutely jaw dropping, and still is, still is. So yeah. I, I think, and then even then, when you get down to the sort of fishy level, and you know you've got the parallax scrolling in there, there's a lot of gaming there under one load. Um, yes, and so 
I think without a doubt, Nebulous from a visual perspective is absolutely the C64 just really being pushed to its pushed to a real good limit. I'm not saying it's not going to get better because there's you know later in another years that we go through. I'm sure there'll be other equally visually compelling things, but they never did another Nebulous. Nebulous no. was just it came out at the, and, and there it is. And if it's the greatest visuals for this year, well, it is. It is what it is. Which ball is good? Also ran in that league, as so is Last Ninja. Yeah, um, it's like like I said. I mean, there's, there are probably other games like it, but the only one I could sort of pull for, pull from my head is, was Fez, wasn't it? So it was yeah. kind of in that similar that similar rotational yeah. visual style. But yeah, Neb- Nebulous just the way that those bricks rotate, the, the, sh- the shapes, the smoothness, the way it all works, no, the way that everything I, I comes around agree. and everything. It feels like a round tower, but it, it's such a very very clever you know optical illusion that I, I that I. I yeah, I mean, if we talk about the Last Ninja, we've you know we've said about the Last Ninja, but the Last Ninja is brilliant across the board. It's very good, but it's a series of static screens with some sprites, very mm. few sprites running about on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, you don't have to egg, egg the nebulous pudding for me. Yeah. I, and, and, Wizball, and Wizball is a left to right scrolling shooter with some very, very, very nice graphics. Yeah, when it comes in color, you know, and the, and the thing what Wizball has is obviously its use of colorization, as you said, and the way it builds the level from colors, and that's very, very clever. But it's just, and I'm not saying it's just, it's coloring. But Nebulous, there we go. Is that it? We got it? Yeah, and no, I'd say Neb- definitely Nebulous is, is the top one, I think. And if there's a second or a third, I'd be tempted just because of the fidelity of the graphics. I put Last Ninja second in there because it has a, a nice fidelity to those background graphics, and they do look really nice. And I think Wizball is a good third place in that list because Wizball is visually very interesting and there are some really nice touches and sort of a nice visual flair to it. Um, but you're in very, very, very elite company when you're in the room with Nebulous and the Last Ninja. So yeah, and you're edging out Defender with uh, edging out him. You're edging out Defender with the Crown and IK Plus. Yes, you know, and so, California, and don't forget California Games Barbarian Destroyer yep. as well. Yeah, so I think the thing, a Nebulous, Last Ninja, and Wizball One Two Three is not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I think that's good. So, Graham, do you wish to announce uh, Best Visuals Award? The winner of the Best Visuals Award goes to Nebulous. Gold claps. Gold all round. Well done for the destructing towers. Yes, well done. Well done, nebulous people. Yeah, well done indeed. There we go. Nebulons. Hats off to the nebulons. Well done, nebulon. <laughs> How's it, how, how does one go nebulon? <laughs> Tell if you go wa- nebulon, you never go back. <laughs> Tell my wife hello. <laughs> nebulon, nebulof. That's it. <laughs> it's the Miyagi Miyagi do. <laughs> All right, there we go. So that's our first one. Best visuals goes to Nebulous with runners up Last Ninja and Whizball. Well done, well done. Good stuff. Good. Really pretty game though. Really good. Really good. Let's move along to to something not so good. Next up, the Crapcade conversion. Oh, yeah. So to explain, this is the worst arcade conversion of the year. This was <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot. I, there was a lot. There was a lot. Oh my god! This was a lot you know, of rubbish. It really was. But I mean, we've managed to actually narrow it down to three. But we might want to. I might want to put one in there because I think it needs to be in consideration. But we'll see. Uh, we did our usual. We put our list together. We merged that list. That initial list, if you're interested, is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mag Max, Jailbreak, Enduro Racer, Quartet, Space Harrier, and Paperboy. Now, the three that we agreed on were Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Jailbreak, and Enduro Racer. 
those are the three that we both had in our list. I would make an argument for quartet. I never liked it anyway, so I don't know. I don't, the trouble is, I never liked. I never played enough of the original to really get into it, and I didn't play enough of the C sixty four version, so I couldn't give a, a really good breakdown of how bad a conversion of the arcade it is because I don't have enough time spent with that arcade. The others I've played a bit more of. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, it's awful. I think if it was, a, I think it, uh, it would have to be number four. I get why you've gone with Space Harrier and Paperboy, by the way. Well, I would have put Space Harrier in. Um, yeah, I think, but it's because if we're talking about a crap conversion, it is a crap conversion. It is, but I think it was a poison challenge from the start off. I think the others could be done. I think Paperboy and Space Harrier, as we said at the time, they're they're they're, they're too much for the for for an eight bit machine running at one megahertz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah I think yeah. you know. I think you. you the others, probably not. But I think Space Harry and Paperboy, Mag Max was also god awful. But yeah, yeah, it, I think we'll just stick with what we've got. We've got three, and I think yeah, we'll go I mean, with those. It, it was, there's a c- cavalcade of utter crap in there, anyway. Yeah, um, and there are real disaster areas in the three that are in that final three. There are actual disasters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's between two, but we'll see. All right, so let's stick with that then. So for consideration for the winner of the Crapcade conversion, we have Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Jailbreak, or Enduro Racer. Now, for me, it's between well, it is between Jailbreak and Enduro Racer. What, for the worst conversion? For the worst, yeah, for the winner of this. I think, it, I think Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, it made my list. It is awful. However, it's a, it's a bad game, but it is... It is playable and it does work it's just a bad version of the arcade game yeah whereas i think the other two are fundamentally broken yeah i don't i think indiana jones deserves to be in the list it's certainly not the top of the list and i no. would agree J- jailbreak it's, it simply doesn't it does it lacks direction controls i mean it's like it's lacking actual directions <laughs> yeah yeah so you can only run in four directions in jailbreak whereas the arcade allows you to run in eight and well, it, importantly allows you to run in eight because that's importantly the crux of the game you know one that we didn't actually put in here was breakthrough and I'm surprised that didn't make the list. It just occurred to me. But okay, so yeah, so jailbreak has directional issues, and Jura Race has speed issues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it does. I think the thing is, if you if you look at Enduro Racer, and I know we weren't that hepped up on it, but we thought it was a good conversion. What it was, you just compare Enduro Racer to Boogie Boy because mm. they're very similar. Similar idea, aren't they? Yeah, but Boogie, Boogie Boy comes out with a gold medal, and we were, all, you know, thought it was okay. A lot of people love Boogie Boy, but Enduro Racer is yep. such a calamity. It is bad, and the Spectrum version was better. Well, and way I'm better. Not and that's and that's. I mean, I'm not saying that should never be the case, but on a machine that's got a lot more colours and variety, with a bit more. And I don't know how. I don't know the, the nuances of how Enduro Race ended up being the crap fest that it was. But it doesn't matter. It's out there for people to spend money on, isn't it? And it went yeah. to number one in the chart, I think, for a while when we was discussing it back then. Yeah, forgivable, really. That I mean, no, no, and I don't. I'm, no, I'm not taking away from the the people that put those things together because I don't know the pressures, time pressures of a licensed arcade that you would be under. Because I imagine it's pretty heavy going because you've got not only have you got sort of the the arcade heritage to think about, but you've also got the pressure of the people who made the arcade probably on the backs of the publishers. So you're getting a lot of directional. Yeah challenge my, my understanding from what i've heard from some people who said they've had it is basically they would just deliver the arcade machine into the th- and then leave them to it they wouldn't yeah. give them any pa- you know paperwork they wouldn't give them any plans they just have yeah. to work it out from the arcade conversion so yeah and you, so. you're gonna do nothing but trouble with that i mean and i mean it made me laugh yeah. when i played um the when i was looking at the indiana jones arcade it suddenly occurred to me that the minecart sequence goes the other way in the arcade i know yeah it goes bottom <laughs> top right to bottom left doesn't it yeah so i don't know why they chose the other way anyway but yeah no, I think um, I think <laughs> Maybe you're right. Only I think, scroll to the right. I mean, I think I, I, I'm 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 toying with the notion of jailbreak at the top because it's so bad, and because it was also 
meant it was also a conversion by like a proper team, wasn't it? It was the first. Well, it was the first Konami official Konami. They took That's it back I mean. in didn't so, they, from, from Imagine yeah, and went, we can do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. Oh. So clearly they couldn't. Um, yeah. And I don't know what happened, but if you when that game got released, I mean, th- fortunately, I suppose Jailbreak didn't have great art. It wasn't like the great big arcade hit. You know, this is no Kung Fu Master or something that everyone remembers in some way or other. Jailbreak, I had very vague memories of. But when I looked at the arcade and then looked at the C64 version, it was just they weren't comparable things. It was just someone had a go at it, I think, and thought, ah, that'll do. And then Joros <laughs> is probably a similar story. So, but Jailbreak is broken. And I think that's, you know, that is unforgivable. You know, the arcade goes in the directions it goes in, and that's fundamental to its control. If you don't do that, you're not converting the arcade. So therefore, no. it's a it's a crap cake conversion. <laughs> it really is. I just think Enduro Racer is so bad. It's so bad. Well, it you, is. Like, it's just you've between got, you've them got two. a speedometer that goes up to, from between the speed of 15 miles per hour to 200 miles per hour, there's no difference. And that's a real real problem in a, a, a race a racing game <laughs> and when you hit the logs of course the awful animation when his legs fly up in the oh, air and he, uh, no, uh, yeah no, no. Uh, and and also as well the the uh other rider sprites are just single color aren't they these single color blobs in fact i agree actually i'm thinking thinking about it i agree because say what you want about jailbreak yes it controlled like crap and it looked crap but it looked like jailbreak enduro racer barely looks like enduro racer it, i will agree it has some kind of motor vehicle in it um, but, <laughs> yeah. but other than that, it's so far removed from what the arcade is that it's barely recognisable. If you didn't, if you didn't have Enduro Racer on the box, you probably would have just gone, "What the hell is this bikey guy?" Yeah. Whatever. It f- yeah. it feels like a crap budget racer from yes. 1984 or um, something. Oh, I think yeah. So I'd be tempted to put Enduro Racer at the top, Jailbreak for a two, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Crap at number three. I think they're all number twos personally, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with that. I, th- I think Enduro Racer is is bad on on a. It's just it's just awful. I mean, awfully. The, the original's yeah. not brilliant, it, but it's a it's a Yu Suzuki game, isn't it? I think. I was like, no, I'm thinking of Hang On, aren't I? I don't know who did Enduro Racer. I don't know, but it's I don't know. Oh, was Enduro Racer a Yu Suzuki one? I honestly can't remember. But it's it's so bad. It's just a broken mess of a thing. Well, it's not very good. Yeah, yeah, it's not. And and when other eight bit machines show. Well, actually, this can be done okay. There's no reason for it to be to be as bad as it no. is. We've seen plenty of good racing, driving, dodgem, 3D games on the C64. Yeah. Um, and Boogie Boy, Boogie Boy comes along a few minutes later and shows, actually, you can do it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Enduro Racer, number one? Yeah. Yeah. It's an utterly disastrous conversion, that's for sure. That it is. That it is. Right. There we and go. I so think, I think Jailbreak is a number two because it's a number two <laughs> it really is and indiana jones and the temple of crap definitely goes in in the number three slot and also it's a that's a glove slap as well because that's such a big license it's that's totally that of all the three there that's the money grab that's the one where they've just everyone likes indiana jones stick indy on the cover it's an arcade there's a film and everything else it's part of the licensed merchandise that's out there it's, it's an extension of merchandise so people mm-hmm. will buy it and you've got a bit of a captive audience for that, and all you're going to do is torture them with that bloody awful music. As soon as that music starts, so you know you're going to you could hear people's hearts sinking. <laughs> no, I, and yeah. if you really want a challenge, you know, if you really want to feel what that actually is like, get the film, turn the sound off, and, put, and <laughs> when that and put that music on when it starts. <laughs> Why would you see, do see, that to yourself? And see if wow. you feel the same way, same about Indiana Jones. You won't. Thin Diana Jones yeah. go by the loading screen as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Thin Diana, yeah, that's right. Good old Thin Diana Jones. All right, there we go. So, Graham, would you like to announce the winner of the Crapcade conversion? The award for the Crapcade conversion goes to Enduro Racer. 
mean, I mean, I mean yeah. yeah. Down with this sort of thing. It's terrible. So coming in at number two, Jailbreak and rounded up by Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with shout outs to Mag Max Quartet, Space Harrier, Paperboy, Breakthrough, and countless others we've probably forgotten about because oh, they're all loads of them. Because they're all horrific. So many horrificness. There we go. That's our first two awards. Best visuals, crap cake conversion. Done in no time whatsoever. Let's keep this ball rolling and move into the next one. And this one is our Sunday Best. So the Sunday Best, for those who may have joined us late, this is basically the worst game. We get in there early. Essentially what this is, is um, if someone bought you this, um, an aunt, an uncle, uh, a cousin, something as a, as a birthday present, you're like, hey, I bought you this game. It's very nice. I thought, I thought you'd like it. And you knew deep down in your heart that it was crap. After playing it, whatever, you would turn to them and you would say, I'll just keep it in the drawer. I'll keep it in the drawer for Sunday Best. Um, and it would never see the light of day again. So Sunday Best Award is what, what was born out of that. And that's what this is. So this is the worst game of the year, according to us. So I have stayed away from the crap caves and the licensed catastrophes. I've kind of gone for more original crap crap stuff so we'll see how that affects things but the cav convert the cat the arcade games get their laugh and the licensed catastrophes get theirs but these are what i've gone for so so this is the sunday best award as nominated by the pair of us so our original list was big trouble in little china captured jackal and wide grange hill Werner, the further adventures of alice in videoland mr weems and the she vampires explorer realm and camelot Warriors. So after looking at those, we only had three in common. There's a lot there, so <laughs> I think there's so much to choose from. It, this was a, this was spoilt for choice in this category. The three we had in common were Captured, Jackal and Wide, and The Further Adventures of Alice in Videoland. Graham, would you like to add any of yours back into the final list? I'm quite happy to put some more in. I so. could be tempted to put Grange Hill in there. Yeah. Um, because it was so utterly, utterly, utterly shit. Do you not think that's going to get its due in... License catastrophe? Um, possibly, possibly, but I think you know because the Sunday best idea is it's this is you you get these games and then you put them away because you never want to actually see them again. <laughs> that's true. So that's why. So they're put in the back of a drawer. So maybe I don't know. I'm quite happy with the list that's in there. There's so much to choose from. Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, the Further Adventures of Alice in Videoland deserves its rightly deserves its place amongst the crap because it's broken and crap. I mean, it's rubbish. Yes. Yeah. Um, some of the others in there, I don't know. Big Trouble in Little China was. But again, that's kind of in the licensed zone, I suppose. But you know, but it is a. It's taking the license aside. It's an utterly shit game. It is dreadful. And it's the same with Grange Hill. You know, the license is irrelevant, really. That doesn't. They're just because they put Grange Hill in it doesn't make it a Grange Hill game. Yeah, I mean, I did have both of them in my original list when I was before I narrowed it down to a few. So I'm quite happy to put them in for consideration. Well, in fact, no, yeah, I mean, the thing is. I, well, you can do, but I think the trouble is, what you could if you're going to put them in a the list, you've got to see how they fare against the things that are already in the list. So, yeah. is captured? You know, is Grange Hill going to stand a chance against <laughs> Jackal and Wide or Captured or Further Adventures? Probably not. Exactly. Exactly. And, and no, it's not, is it? So, and Big Trouble at Channel may be awful, but it's nowhere near as bad as Jackal and Wide. Yeah, because uh, Jackal and Wide was offensive and crap. It was. Um, so, I just think you know we can put them in, but really. We just have to instantly look at them and go. Actually, how bad are they compared to? Because captured was captured was awful, wasn't it? <laughs> captured was dreadful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the so, only other one I would, the only other ones. I mean, Explorer could 
go in, but I think that might go in weirdest concept. But well, yeah, because Explode was just stupid. I mean, yeah. there's, you know, Mister Weems so... and the She Vampires was pretty goddamn awful. And the yeah. fact that and and do you remember Realm? Do you remember Realm? Yeah, I remember them. But the thing is, I remember them. I think were they as bad as Jekyll and Wide or Captured? I think they were crap, but they weren't that crap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll just leave it at them three. Fair enough. I yeah. think those those three are. You know, it's a it's a cornucopia of crap, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that's part, that's part of the problem because um, th- there was a lot to choose from in there because as we said when we started this particular awards show we've looked back over these things and I'm sorry to say that there is a great deal of garbage there is there's no way around it there is there's so much rubbish being released out of those 320 games you know that's a small selection of, of a lot that are just sat in the just just outside of the crap zone but still crap yeah um, but further adventures of further adventures of Alice in Videoland is a broken because you you can't get off the first level because it was a it was actually just freeze framed onto a tape yeah and also the level that was freeze framed is awful and yeah and it's and it is crap it's awful and it's a sequel as well so it's a sequel to a game that didn't need a sequel it's just everything about it is crap everything the bad sequel to something that didn't need one sort of taking and exploiting a an already existing famous IP in the Alice in Wonderland and ruining that and just, you know, taking a great big dump on that and a dump on the previous <laughs> game, which was no great shakes, but it was better than this one. And to then top it all off, you make it not incomplete and you freeze frame it onto tape. So, you know, if, you, you know, if you're talking about just taking a dump on something, you've just put flags in it, you're flag waving, you know, you've just really cracked this a crap cake. So <laughs> It's hard to argue against in there, it, But Jackal, Jackal and White, distasteful malfunctioning fat that, jokes and that fat jump. nasty and the, yeah, the crappy jump and just bad graphics and just awful yeah yeah it was jackal and wide for me was uh left a really bad taste in my mouth not obviously there's the there's the questionable ethics around the whole thing as well but just from a playability point of view that jump is the worst jump i've ever seen in a video game you don't jump at 90 degree angles you don't go up no. across and down no it's no, not no, a crossword no. pu- crossword puzzle jump it, it's all i'm just oh, Christ on a bike. I mean, it's just it's terrible. Uh, but equally, <laughs> we have we have Craptured, which was was one of the first of our Mighty Bounds. It was the first to have the Mighty Bounds. Was bound, it the first? Yeah. Was it that or, or it was, Camelot yeah. Warriors? Um, one or two. It was one of them two, wasn't it? But Captured also has that also that has that straight up jump. Yes, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have to face forward and then just squat thrust. <laughs> squat jump. <laughs> the squat thrust. Yeah. Um, and I think I suppose I mean. If we go to sort of taking it, just taking a step out and going, right, so let's just have a look at, yes, they look crap. All of them look crap. So there's no winner, no great shakes in the visuals department. None of them are going to rock your world there. But out of the three, Jack and Wide, I think, has the, the most offensive graphics in terms of its crappy half-assed version of a Spectrum thing that doesn't work anyway. Because mm-hmm. you, you, I think you already start on a bicycle in a maze. It's just everything about it's stupid anyway. Yep. But Captured at least has the framework of a game. And I'm not saying it's a great game because it ain't, but it has the framework of a game. So it's, it's a working platformer. Yeah, so I think it's deservedly in the list, but it's not the worst of the three. No, I think you're right. Um, and I think Jackal and Wide, it it doesn't have, it isn't broken. I mean, you wouldn't know that necessarily. <laughs> it is crap, but it but it's not a broken thing as far as I'm aware. There's also an argument as well that something with Alice in Videoland is also probably going to be more tempting to a, an aunt or a granny. To maybe yes. buy for you from it, you know, it's it's going to have Alice in Wonderland on the front, so they're more likely to go. Oh, that looks quite interesting. I'll, yeah, there's yeah. a bit of that to it as well, and I think so, um, so that kind of playing on that license, as you said. Yeah, I mean, no, I I think and it got three percent, didn't it? And it's the lowest score that Zap I think I've ever given. I don't think they ever give anything lower, as no. far as I'm aware. I mean, it's a, um, and it, and it is fundamentally broken. <laughs> yes, I mean, so it I is. Think, 
So it would say at the back of your Sunday best draw because you could never play it anyway. You wouldn't want to. No. So, so I but think it's being fundamentally me, broken though, would it stay it there or would you just take it back and change it? Oh. Well, you can't, can you? Because if it's a gift, it's like curse of the gift. It's like, oh, you still got that game I got you. Oh, crap. You know, and you suddenly flash back to the moment in boots when you hand it over going, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't it do, work. It really does. <laughs> Lisa needs braces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just have that moment, wouldn't you? Get that game that I bought you out because I don't want my level to go. What's it like? What's it like? What's it like? What's it like? You're like, no. Hello, so, Joe. <laughs> I, I Adrian, have you got that game? Where's that Adventures of Alice in Video Land? Oh, I'd like to watch you playing that. You know, I like that. You know, I like that. You know, I like that. <laughs> Just a oh. slow zoom into your eyes. Yeah, I should have uh. studied. I should have studied. Um, so I think the further Adventures of the Video Land goes to the top for me because it's broken, it's shit, it's crap, and it's a crap thing, and it's horrible, and it should never have been. I think um, a, sec- a second right. one in that list would be Jacqueline White because it's offensive and also shit. And the worst, the least <laughs> offensive of the three. So the least, the least shit is Craptured um, because yes, it is a functional platformer if you could call it that. But it's just saying it's the least shit is no good in that list, is it? You know, it's the least crappy. <laughs> it's the yeah crappy shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was so I think that's crappy. a horrible one, two, three. That is, you know, that's and a one, two, three know, of and, shame. And ca- captured them well because we looked at that quite early that it's stuck in our minds. Yeah, well, it haunts your mind that one. Yeah, it's that jump, that jump. Yeah, I mean Camelot, Camelot Warriors was also as well. Yeah, there's two of those who got crappy jumps. One of them needed a jump. <laughs> Um, just, you know, but one of them yeah. got badly drawn doors. <laughs> yeah, the wrong wrong angle. They're at the yeah. wrong angle. Yes. Oh, what, yeah, because that's bad. what I mean. Even if it, even if Alice in Video Land had worked, it was still crap beyond yeah, belief. Exactly, that level yeah. was awful. You got you got menaced by Australian pigeons. Well, let alone remember that she floats horrifically, sort of hereditary style, up to the fireplace. You know, I'm saying to also, get Paimon flashback. <laughs> and it has that speech. Curiouser and curiouser. Yes, so I think we have our winner. We do. So, uh, Graham, would you like to announce the winner of the 1987 Sunday Best category? The winner of the Sunday Best Worst Game Award goes to The Further Adventures of Alice in Videoland. Down with this sort of thing. Yeah, terrible. Get the bad biscuits. Be careful out there. There we go. I think we should take a break, really. Maybe have an advert and then we'll yes. come back um, we've got more obviously more still to come we've got loads more still to come but I think yeah we're going to take a quick break have an advert take a quick break uh, water our our throats and then we'll come back and we've got best sounds best sound best sound <laughs> where's that where's that game agent that you got <laughs> best sounds best sounds <laughs> that's what was it called Alice in Videoland 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 <laughs> see you in a bit see you in a bit see you in a bit Video land. Video land. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? 
With the help of Feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts, and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. Oh, that was a nice break. That was that was lovely, lovely, um, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Angelie Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. <laughs> All right, what we got next? Best sounds, best sounds, man. It's the best sounds. So we did used to have best sound effects and best music as two separate categories, but then I thought that was stupid. So we've just amalgamated the whole thing to best sound. So because usually the C sixty four is known for its music, not not for its. You know, there's been some good sound effects games and bits of speech and stuff, but like uh, got too much. It should be best audio, I suppose. Really, best, yeah. Okay, best, best audio. Yeah. We'll call this the best audio award then. Best audio. I'll read. I'll redo that. Look. On, on the uh, agenda. Yeah. So this is the best audio award for 1987. And we did our list. We checked it twice and we had these nominations. Whizball, The Last Ninja, Escape from Sinji's Castle, Mutants, Light Force, Delta, and Knucklebusters. And the ones that we kind of <laughs> coincided with was Whizball, The Last Ninja, Escape from Sinji's Castle, Mutants, Light Force, Delta, and Knucklebusters. We, we just picked the same list. <laughs> Completely, you know, independently, independently, but yeah, we both both landed on the same seven games, and so now we have to make a fight between these seven games to see which is going to win. So difficult. Okay, I'm going to nominate my first one to move from the top three, and that would be Mutants. I think Mutants is a great tune, but I don't think it stands up against the others. It's just simple Um, as that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think I think Mutants is great. Um, and it's it's, it, in, it's, it's in it's in no. it's in it's in rarefied company here. Yeah, it is <laughs> good. Know? But I, I I honestly don't think it stands up against the other six. It's not no, that it's you I know agree. it's not that it, I mean, it's the seventh best, which is in this amazing. list. It's good, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. amazing. But I don't good think bit it, of Fred Gray music. But it's um it isn't as good. It's good, but it isn't as good as the others. There's just there's always been a nice tone to the mutants' music. It's yeah, got the a really nice, music is lovely, yeah. nice, really nice. Ab- that arpeggiated tone the tonality of it is really nice it's very soft and subtle yes um, not quite as harsh and in your face as perhaps some of the others are in this list and that suits that game perfectly i have to say mutants but it's but it's in strong company so i agree yes so okay which one would you argue to take from the top three or would you argue for go or do we do it the other way and argue what should be in the top three that's difficult isn't it because there's so many good ones in there I think I, as much as I like the music from Escape from Sinji's Castle, and I do, I don't think I would have it in the top three. Bell sound, man. The bell sound. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great music. But in that, in that company, in that list, um, there are all these short pieces in Escape from <laughs> this, this time hour. of year. <laughs> Look, <laughs> located in your kitchen. <laughs> but um, I think there's, it's lots of short little pieces of music, which is okay. That's how, that's how it works. They are all uh, thematically linked, amazingly thematically linked, and that is something that's quite important in this list. But there's games that in that list that do it better, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of representation from Rob Hubbard in that list already. So yeah. you know, it, it's also a shame you don't you don't get to hear half of them because you can't get past the first bloody 
Yeah, screen. you're going to hear that one. You know, the, <laughs> that's that boats music bit. That new, 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 new. Yeah. You're if you're lucky, you one. might hear the do 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 do. You might hear the That's all you're going to hear of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it was such a strong, strong entry because of the the music in the first game, which wasn't you know, it was nowhere near as good as that. It's a beautiful Ooh, bit God, of music no, no. in Escape from Ninja's Castle, but it's in strong company again. And I would say those two. So it leaves us with you know the, almost like uh, the final five there. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's five. I. Oh God's sake. Probably. Right, okay. Uh, Light Force would be the other one I would, uh, the next one I would take out. That's a tough one because that is incredibly good. And I, I rate Light Force well, I rate Light Force a lot more than Delta. Okay. Because so, I think Delta's great, but Delta's not an original piece of music for a start. So, fair enough. No, fair enough. Crying a Scatsy. I'm not saying that's what, but it's not, it's a great version of that. But that's it is what that is, and so to say that yeah. Delta sounds great would be to say that Conan Scatsy sounds great, and it does. And if you don't believe me, watch the last episode of the recent series of Stranger Things, where they use the exact piece of music that's used oh, to I drive do. I'm not, Delta. I'm not that, but Delta has the mixy load. Yeah, no, that's a te- technically amazing thing, but it's only what you make of it. Um, and this is about there's other there's other pieces in there that are stronger. Delta's Delta's good, but I think Light Force is a better piece of music. So I'll t- okay, I'll, I'll take I'll take out Delta as long as we can. okay. Because I suppose if we're talking Hubbard's blockbusters, the longer pieces, I, I would rate Knucklebusters over Delta any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Now um, Knucklebusters is a special place, but it's in a very very tough list. Um, oh God, moving Delta out. It's just I get it. Oh, it's a cover, but we gave you know we gave no, Hypersports number I'm, one. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying in the, in that list, if you take the if you're going to compare two shoot 'em games, which they are, and the thematic music that goes with them, when you start Light Force and you're playing Light Force and you're blasting things in the game, that feels like a more coherent experience than it does if you play Delta and you put the music on of Delta because Delta's got that really weird. It's an amazing thing. Eleven minutes of you know soundscape and. But it is basically going from Pink Floyd through to Philip Glass. Uh, Philip Glass. Now, and there's nothing wrong with that, and it's an amazing thing to hear a C64 do it, and the audio is amazing in that. But Light Force is just—it's got that amazing thunderous drum beat, which is very powerful in that. And I think that's what really attracts me to the Light Force. It's just—it's just that really nice vibe, and it's a really—and it's, it's an, so it's an original composition, and I think it really, really suits that game in a way that um, I don't know. I just think out the two, I just—it's a—if it comes down to just a preference, I think I've always liked Delta. Don't get me wrong, because as soon as that game loads. There's no mistake in Delta. As soon as you hear that music, you think Delta. There's no way around it. Yeah, the title, because the title screen music's ace. It is, and Light Force maybe doesn't have that recognition either. But Light Force is. Is the title screen, the two, is the the title screen music. music in Delta cover, or is that original? Yeah. No, it's it's Delta. It's this kind of scatsy again. What the da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. Da, yeah, it's just it's a speeded up version of the of the piece towards the end. It's just speeded up. Okay. So it's tough company because Delta is Delta is amazing, but if you're going into a if you're going into a Hubbard dust up between Delta Light Force and Knucklebusters, Knucklebusters wins hands down at the three by miles. Yeah, yeah by it does. by miles. Yeah, it does. All right, I'll take Delta out. And so it isn't just a and for me, so it's not just a complete Rob Hubbard two one two three or anything like that. I think out of Whizball, Last Ninja, and Knucklebusters um, and Light Force, I'd say let's give let's you know because Light Force is great, but it's not as good as Knucklebusters, so there only needs to be one Hubbard in that list. Okay, well, I wanted, yeah, I would, I would have um, 
I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got four and five, like fours and Delta. And and seven, Escape from Cindy's Castle. I mean, you could take Delta, but put it back in and take Last Ninja out for me. I really like the Last Ninja music, but it's inconsistent. It's not all great. Some of it's good. Some of it's okay. And it, there are some amazing pieces of music. The opening, the opening music of Last Ninja, when you first start, having seen it played live in various different versions and having played the game many times as i'm sure you have there's mm-hmm. that as soon as you hear that gong sound and you know you, as soon as you hear it you know that, you yep. know instantly you're in last ninja and all the, the, the finesse of the music around the gardens and everything else and the when you're in the dungeons and stuff like that the music is thematically amazing for last ninja it really is in a way that some of the others in the list light force and delta now they're great but last ninja really hits because it's thematic consistency is powerful and then then you have to deal with whizball because whizball is an audio onslaught um, in every way that it could be it's an audio onslaught that is martin galway at the peak of his game when he does that when he really switches it on with ball you're in you're in dangerous territory really because <laughs> just based on the opening music um which is just staggering how good that is then on top of that the high score music equally brilliant then you're all the in-game sounds and all of i mean the whole game is audio visual crazy mm-hmm. so you've got that yeah, and I think so. I sit there and I think, okay, yeah, Whizball is an amazing thing, and it is. But then you have to deal with Knucklebusters. Now, Knucklebusters is is hampered by being in a crap game. True, but Knucklebusters is an astonishing piece of soul-driven, sort of semi-metal, heavy. You know, you can, it really feels like it's coming out of some deep metal vibes in there. It's got industrial leanings in there. It is absolutely. I mean, in, that's just the in-game music, um, let alone the opening music for Knucklebusters, which in of its own right is astonishing. Yeah, uh, the title um, screen music for Knucklebusters, it's, it's just... It's a, just brilliant. It is brilliant. That drumbeat. Drumbeat. Now, I've um, listened to Knucklebusters so many times. Even the high score music in Knucklebusters is good. Yeah, it's <laughs> no, all it's, good. It's solid. Hubbard doing what he does, but in a way that he never did ever again. He never did anything like Knucklebusters again. It's a total one-off. I don't know what was go- what he was going through at the time <laughs> or what, because it just, it completely, if you look at all of the different Rubberwood music and there's a lot, obviously you can download the HV SIDS archive and listen to any of this stuff. And there's albums of this stuff out there now for you to go and dive into. Now there's people do hundreds of covers and everything of all this. Hmm. Knucklebusters is the one that nobody's ever done a really good version of because it's so hard to do. Now I've, I've even, I've tried, I've done my own version of the opening title screen. You can put it on, on SoundCloud. Nowhere near as good as the Sid version. It's it's just very difficult to do it justice. The in-game music I've yet to come across. And don't get me wrong, there's been some really brave and amazing attempts. Mark um, TDK Knight did an amazing version using kind of synthesized sort of John Carpenter style sounds. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the perception of that is out there. I, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite good when it was released. But it's still, there's something about Knucklebusters that endears to this day. Mm-hmm. Very powerful piece of music. Completely, the game is just irrelevant. I mean, who remembers yeah. it? The game. It no, the game. Matter. The game. The game's awful. The game is terrible. But um, that piece of music, it would. I would put the put it on, find a safe spot, and listen to the music. Yeah, it's astonishing. It's a, um, it's a journey that music. Yes. Yeah, what is it? Seventeen minutes? Is it seventeen yes, minutes? Yes. 16, so? 16, 17 it, minutes. It's, a, it's yeah. the length of the timer counting down, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely. Lasts the whole thing. And so you've got that, and it's the way the way it builds. And it's, you know, it starts off that slow. Yeah. Wine. It's that beautiful industrial boom, ba, boom, ba. Yeah. And you got that echo. Did, 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 ba. It's, yeah. just, it's, as I say, its heart is in Throbbing Gristle, Cabaret Voltaire is in there. You've, it's playing its influences so yeah. radically well. 
and into that really tuneful bit in the middle when that comes in talk about you know a smooth a really really good rhythm change and the way how it just drops in and and works and then builds into that outro god it's the only other time i've seen it's the only other time i've seen rob hubbard do a full game score for in-game like that was when he did Monty on the Run. And Monty on the Run had the same thing. It blended all the different speeds of the music and it just blended it into one continuous piece of music that is astonishing. Monty on the Run is amazing. But yeah. Look does, does the same thing, but with industrial tones and, and the sounds in it are just haunting. So I find it, I think doesn't Look Busters is a very special piece of music. And for me, I have to say, for years, it was my favourite piece of music on the Commodore 64. And don't get me wrong, it's in there. It is not my favourite Sid of all time, just to, for the record. It is certainly one of my favourites, though. And in this list, I think it has to be number one for me. And I think Whizball has to be number, number two, because Whizball is astonishing. Now, Last Ninja is great, and they're all really great. And I've got a special affinity for that because of, obviously, it was Ben Daglish and, and, and Anthony Lees, and there was just an amazing series of things that happened to make that music very special. And it is special, no doubt about it. And that's why it's in the top three, because it is special. It's a suite of music. But you're going to put it in in a pound for pound you're going to go into a dust up with knuckle busters whizball and last ninja there can only be one winner in that for me knuckle busters and whizball has to be because it's such an audio tour de force and because also we can't give the award to matt and go away every year um <laughs> no it, it has probably to be, would be has the to last be. year wouldn't it yeah if we were, but, but, but it has to be number two whizball is just um, i think of the opening music and that guitar sound and that kind of soundy sort of he found something in the 64 that i didn't even know it was capable of and it's only only beaten by knuckle busters because knuckle busters does it slightly better there's number of us find sounds and, and a tonality that I did not think you could get out of a 64k Commodore machine. I just didn't think but, it, yeah, it's but, beautiful industrial tonality could come out of a Sid. It, does, it just astonishes me. For me, Knucklebusters is the because it's the side of um, Hubbard that you well, you know the, the thing that I've said on this podcast that I've always liked. It's the Zoids, it's the yes. Nemesis, the Warlocks, it's these heaviest heavier stuff that yeah. I've always preferred of his. I've always yeah. liked that kind of stuff, and I've I've always been a big proponent of the Zoids music. I love the Zoids theme tune. I think it's amazing. I get it's a cover, so you know it didn't. You know it, it was up against stuff, strong stuff. I, I, Nemesis was in my Nemesis the Warlock. I was was close to going in because I think that's similar in style. But but Knucklebusters is is a is a one off. We'll get actually some other other. Um, Nineteen eighty eight is going to throw in some more stuff along these kind of big long yes. epic lines. I'm thinking things yeah. like Driller and things like that. Yeah, but, you've got some heavy hitters coming. You've got yeah. Jerome Tell coming in, and Jerome Tell is no is a force to be reckoned yeah. with. Cyber, uh, Cybernoid, Cybernoid two, and stuff like that for next yeah. year. Yeah, and, and and then we've still got Tim Follin to appear on the scene. So you know, again another tour de force. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, but at this point in time, nineteen. 87 i'm not going to argue one little bit for me it was always knuckle busters it was it was the first one i highlighted it just was it's it's an astonishing piece of music both in its title screen which sets a tone and a mood um that the game so sadly doesn't live up to it it pains me so much that this music is tied to such a crap game it always has and i've always wanted to sort of yeah. you know knuckle busters had this kind of thing like oh you know this sort of on Mega City, you know, Judge Dread, uh, 2008 D kind of like I was kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be this thing, and it's the most boring wander along beat 'em up thing that was I you know one of the I've ever played. But that music, that music is astonishing, and it's it's one of the, whenever I do go to H H U Sids or whatever, or put put the Sid player on Knucklebusters was usually one of the first ones I'll put on. It's always has been. It's been my favorite Hubbard piece of all time always yeah yeah um and so like last year with parallax being my favorite galway piece 
yeah, knucklebusters wins out. So yeah. I think Wizball is a worthy, worthy runner up. I yeah, I could give or take. I mean, I, I, I think it yeah because it's an it's an if we, if it's best audio, I think the whole audioscape of Wizball is phenomenal from the sound effects to the little clingy sound effects when you when you blow up the cop tune when they appear. Everything about it is is really really clever. Um, and the last ninja, as you said, creates the mood. It creates a mood. Um, yeah, it does but, capture you know, that. Um, and we've said that in, that doesn't that doesn't happen very often in in C sixty four games that a mood is created. Um, so I'm happy with that top three. I think that's an astonishing triple whammy of music. And goes to show we're not all about Galway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there other composers are available. <laughs> yeah, after last year's one, two, three. But you yeah. know, last year was Rambo, Green Brain, Parallax. What do you want us to do? Yeah. What do you yeah. want us to do, people? Yeah. Yeah, in a different realm, this could have easier been a Hubbard one, two, three. You know, if it wasn't for things like Wizball and Last Ninja and stuff. Absolutely, I could see Knucklebusters, Light Force, Delta as one, two, three, or even Knucklebusters, Delta, Life, whatever. But Escape from Cindy's Castle in there as well. Nemesis the Warlock, things like that. Yeah, great, great yeah, tunes. Yeah. Hubbard, Hubbard was. I think this is Hubbard's best year for me. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 unfortunate, but it's. It's, I don't know if that it's, there's a decline. I think, I mean, remember that Rob Hubbard is a lot older than all the other composers in this list. And you've got New Young Blood coming up there. You've got Matt Gray. You've got, as you say, Tim Follin. You've got Maniacs of Noise, Jerome Tail, Rain Wind. And, and you've just got a whole series of people who are starting to, you know, they're, being, they're inspired by some of these guys and the Galways and stuff. And they're just, they start to run and start to really, really make that mm. Sidship do the do some amazing things. And as we'll see next year, we've got some real. We're gonna. I think next year we said this every year, but I think <laughs> next year could easy be where we've got much a much wider variety of composer. I think. I think so. Yeah, and I think yeah. we just got lucky this year in that we had just had that. Cheap, we just had knucklebusters. <laughs> yeah, and well, you know, it, it was always whenever it was going to come up, it was always going to be a contender because I, I just even now I can, I can. It's just astonishing. So a deserved winner. Absolutely. So yeah, Knucklebusters. There we go. So Graham, would you like to announce our 1987 best uh, best audio winner? The winner of the best audio award is Knucklebusters by Rob Hubbard. Big applause. Deserves it. Brilliant stuff. Um, And. In at number two, Whizball, Last Ninja at three, and honorary mentions to Light Force, Delta, Mutants, Escape from Cindy's Castle, and and loads of others. My list was massive, so things like oh, I can't even think. Nemesis of the Warlock. Nemesis the Warlock. There was Heartland was in there. Ninja. Um, <laughs> Ninja. <laughs> no, I was joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was too much. There was loads of good stuff. <laughs> Uh, there we go best audio well done well done Mr Hubbard for Knucklebusters really really good even to this day let's move into our next one and this one is the craziest concept otherwise known as what were they smoking <laughs> I think we know um, what they were smoking what, 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 what you know what was going on in the air that night um, <laughs> but um, yeah so not um, good things god yeah it's not the Phil Collins yeah, in, in the words of Phil Collins <laughs> there was something in the air there was the, yeah. in, in the air when these were these were cooked up yes. so we did our we did our usual that craziest concepts we, so we did our list we collated them um, and our initial list consisted of the following six games Election Jumping Jimmy Transatlantic Balloon Challenge, Explorer, Terror of the Deep, and Verna. The ones that made it through were Election, Jumping Jimmy, Transatlantic Balloon Challenge, Explorer, and Verna. The only one that didn't was Terror of the Deep. I only put Terror in the Deep there because it's you're, you've got a thing about shooting stuff underwater in the uh, in the Loch Ness, and you'd show yeah. aliens. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Terror of the Deep wasn't Loch Ness. <laughs> no, in a game in a game that's set in Loch Ness. What's it got to be? Is it got to be Nessie? No, it's aliens. Uh, eh? So, by the way, I read today. By the way, that just as a, just as a little aside, they've someone's discovered what he thinks the answer to the big. Remember the famous image of Loch Ness was that sort of silhouetted image of the yeah, long necked yeah, yeah. thing. This guy's turned around and one of his ideas that it's actually a whale penis. <laughs> so, there you go. Put in there, so there, still, so there. It's still not aliens. And it's still a terror of the deep. <laughs> it's still that would be a terror of the deep. Terror in deep. Yeah, terror. Yeah, terror. Terror deep. But it, I could, yeah, obviously you didn't think it, but so it's not in there. But I, I'm quite happy for it not to be there yeah. because the, yeah. the other five are complex, well, <laughs> complex and bijou. Well, let's because we've got a work list down to three, and I think the craziest concept. Well, Explorer deserves a special mention, doesn't it, for his. <laughs> It's needle in a haystack. <laughs> it's, it's, it's needle in many haystacks. It's, it's, it's needle a, in a many a, haystacks. It's a, it's a micron in a haystack. <laughs> so was it one in a billion or some some ridiculous? It, it's it's nine objects in forty billion locations. Yeah. I mean. So the word there is stupid. <laughs> so I think Explorer deserves a special mention for that. But if we're going to go for crazy logic, well, we got transatlantic balloons being attacked by. <laughs> Laser eye, charging eagles, <laughs> some kind of charge that they emit, you know, so you can land on the balloon and charge the eagle. The very fact that somebody said those words to somebody for a game tells you everything you need to know. Now, election was, I don't know, election was boring and it was, it wasn't, I don't know if it was a crazy concept. It was just, it was, you no, know, it was a crazy election. concept. You were moving around sort of faces that were caricatures of the uh, thingy around. It was still an election. It was a rerun of an election. And as much as that's a crap idea and boring, it's not overly crazy. There's nothing too crazy about it. It's just not very interesting, not very exciting. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll go with that. I mean, I'll move you like now. It is bloody stupid. There's a special place for me for jumping Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Jumper Jimmy is mad. It is mad. From the fact that you start the level off the level and sort of flop in as a kangaroo on different platforms. Yep. And you punch gravy for whatever it was. And is it gravy punch points? Gravy was, it? For, was it punch fruit for punch gravy fruit points? For gravy points. And the, the fact that it had that gibberish text between levels and that it spelled out things in. It's just everything about that game is bonkers. It is bonkers. <laughs> It makes no sense whatsoever, and it, it isn't even really a platform game. I don't know what you call Jumping Jimmy. I don't. I don't think that's that has a special place. It has to be in the top three for me. That one. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, Verna. Verna is that just lost in translation a bit? I know the game was crap. Don't get me wrong, but I think that was a crap game, just lost in translation. But that's what. That's, was, but I don't even if it was lost in translation because it's a crazy concept to try and turn that into a game. And the game that they chose, making a bike when you had no idea about what parts were what or what went where or anything. Yeah, but I don't have any of the context of Werner. So I don't know if that's something that Werner did in his show, for example, or his comics <laughs> that, you know, he regularly was taunted by his inability to make motorbikes. I don't know. True, so I, I, don't, I don't have enough Werner knowledge to, to really say whether that's a very good thing that, you know, that might be the greatest Werner game ever because I, I wouldn't know. I don't it is the really only Werner game ever. So it's about, it has by default the greatest <laughs> Werner game ever. So I think uh, Werner, uh, it's certainly crap. And, sorry, certainly crazy, but I don't know if it's really in the top list. And then that leaves then. The, the triple treat of Jumping Jimmy, Transatlantic <laughs> Balloon Challenge, Challenge and Explorer. And Explorer. Um, so each one yeah. of them is... But Jim, Jumping Jimmy is a special kind of crazy. It is. It, it is. <laughs> but However, it is a platform game and there is a kind of a game to it. There is. and I, I would be hard-pressed to come up with a crazier concept than bigging up Richard Branson's attempt to yes. cross the, to cross the Atlantic by laser... by 
defending them with laser-eyed eagles from biplanes <laughs> dropping custard on them. Yeah, and also then, of course, there's just kids floating off in balloons that you yeah. throw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's also stupid. And making it split-screen where it's not quite sure if it's co-op or not. And Yeah, makes no sense. And, and how, it's a st- stupid idea to begin with, wasn't it? Let's promote our airline with a balloon. I mean, just yeah. do it with air- an airplane, surely. <laughs> seems a pharmacological choice if, took, if you're going to promote your new airline use airplanes because that's how slowly we can go across the atlantic it takes us 24 days well the funniest thing of all is that in that first attempt you know one of the guys jumped out the thing and you know, stripped off naked and jumped out didn't he <laughs> that's, yeah like, well, yeah in the irish sea yeah and then branson just crashed it he's like i don't know i don't know what i'm doing see ya <laughs> this ain't gonna oh. end well <laughs> so i think um, look so like I think, they found yes. him you know but, and like, like think, explorer and out of all of the things you could have made a game of with the balloon race, you didn't have to introduce science fiction in that way. Now, I'm an admirer of it, <laughs> but I think you're right. You know, everything about Transatlantic Balloon Challenge, from the idea of it and the idea of the actual Transatlantic Balloon Challenge, which was stupid, yep. all the way through to this game, which you know, they, they took a stupid idea and made it even <laughs> stupider. <laughs> you know, how can we make a game out of this? It's a balloon race. It's not very exciting. I don't know. Laser firing eagles. Oh, that'll do. Yeah, whack them in. All right. <laughs> no, well, at some point, well, somebody should have gone, yeah, did you did you encounter any of these things on your travels, Mr. Branson? Um, did you? No, no, we didn't. It was pre- pretty dull. No. On the top of your uh, massive, you know, twenty-one story high balloon, <laughs> did you install eagle chargers? <laughs> and if not, you may want to think about it because I'll tell you, that you're going to need that. Yeah, because it not it wasn't even two balloons going across at the same time. Anyway, it wasn't a race. <laughs> so they changed it, it into a race where the nondescript no. blue balloon yes. um that obviously been watching yeah. that um milky bar advert the red balloon <laughs> and the blue balloon had a race whatever <laughs> but yeah so, but it, it, uh, it beggars belief that game i remember playing it and going i have what the hell is this so yeah. jumping jimmy is its own kind of crazy but i also think as well I don't know if Jumping Jimmy is is another one a bit of lost in translation with some of the language yeah. in it. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, because there's probably stuff that because it, it must mean something in some Australia well, know, or something. Because gra- I know gravy is not what we think of as gravy. I know like in, in America it's yeah. not. It's probably it's the like, same in Australia. It's like, so. yeah, maybe gravy points is just kind of a way of saying, you know, you've got to get your, earn your stripes or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I'd say, yeah, Transatlantic Balloon Challenge. I mean, Explorer is, it's crazy, <laughs> but it's also, it's just, it's impossible. And that's different to crazy. No, it is stupid and crazy to yeah, say, so right, some, I'm going to hide something over 40 billion locations. That yeah, is someone bonkers. sat there and thought, and, a, you know, and don't forget they did this on the spectrum, so in 48K, I'm going to do 40 billion locations. And they all look like identical, remember, it's 40 billion locations <laughs> look the same. <laughs> yeah. So it might just be one location, just shown yeah. 40 billion times. We don't know. We don't, <laughs> we don't know. know. It's like looking at one of those magic eye um, <laughs> pictures for like for hours. How long would it take you to explore? You couldn't, you couldn't explore no. Explorer. So the actual no. title's a misnomer, because you can't explore all of it. No. So I think in that list, I think jump, uh, Jumping Jimmy maybe goes to the uh, third place. I think Transatlantic goes to the top and then you've got Explorer goes happily as number two in that middle because it is a crazy idea to try and find something in that kind of parameter. <laughs> yeah. But Transatlantic Balloon Challenge that has a special place, doesn't it? It really does, yes. it's um, it's Everything about it is stupid from its original concept to what they added to the actual to the actual thing they did to try and fly a balloon like that to the way it ended with him just bailing out and leaving him in (laughs) (laughs) see ya bye splash you're in the middle of the irish sea where do you think you're gonna go your best place to stay is in the balloon yeah yeah he's probably thinking out 
I'll save the ballast. If I jump out, you know, that's one place <laughs> you'll, go, you'll go up. Maybe he was thinking he was doing his, what's his oats, classic oats thing for uh, <laughs> Antarctic. Has it's got the Antarctic? Yeah, I, may yeah. be, I may be some time, Richard. I'm going to bail yeah. out and hopefully you can make it. I don't know what I'm doing. Just, he just dived out of the balloon. It's like, right, see ya. <laughs> In the middle Hello. of the Irish Sea at night. Yeah, okay. And ironically, he was the only one that could fly the balloon. So, <laughs> So I'm thinking maybe the best plan there would have been for Richard Branson to jump out because he, he he was he just crashed the balloon. It's like don't leave me here. Oh, and true, Too and he would, he would have been easy to find in the sea due to the fact that his teeth are incredibly white and would have That's acted it. as some kind of beacon. That's it. They just, they're actually sonar. They can. They can <laughs> Emit a sonic pulse. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's a good list. So I think I'd agree with that. All right, yeah. Transatlantic balloon challenge. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. So, Graham, would you like to announce the winner of our 1987 Craziest Concept? The award for Craziest Game Concept goes to Transatlantic Balloon Challenge. Nuts. Crazy. I can't award. I can't boo or cheer. You guys, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Coming at number two was Explorer. If you can find it, Jumping Jimmy, we don't understand, is number three with special mentions to both Werner and Election, which was stupid but boring. Oh, there you go. All right. Okay. So let's move on to our next one. Got one more before we go for another break. And this one is our licensed catastrophe. Again, not to be too negative, but what could you say? It's been a it's been one of them years. So we've seen the rise of this isn't new, but I think this year has seen a whole new level of licensed horrors fostered, foisted upon us. And so we thought we had to uh, nay, we must recognize that with an award. So this is what this is. So we did our stuff. We came up with our original list. This list uh, consists of Cobra, Howard the Duck, Grange Hill, Highlander, Scooby-Doo, Challenge of the Gobots, How to Be a Complete Bastard, Big Trouble in Little China, Thundercats, and Transformers. The list is varied and long, which means we didn't we didn't all have the same. What we did agree on was Cobra, Grange Hill, Big Trouble in Little China, and Transformers. Now, I would say that some of yours I was also con- contemplating, but I can't see that list without Howard the Duck in it. I think Howard the Duck isn't very good, but it's not a very good film either. Um, uh, true, I suppose. So we're going on like bad, you know, how you've taken well, something that was decent and made it into something yeah, dog, I mean, dog egg. Yeah, because I think if you're going from... Because part of my, my thought process behind some of it was... Um, they've taken something that's they've taken an idea and so they've got they had to make a licensed game of that and what did they do with that well how the duck wasn't very good anyway so surprise surprise you came with something that wasn't very good as a game okay but the film wasn't very good there's not much to go off there there's a a talking duck who can't fly can't swim as i recall so you've got problems you've got bigger problems in your game there (laughs) but where you've got licenses that have all the materials that are given um, yep. and simply throw them away. That's where special consideration has to be given to at least three of the entries in that list. Now, the one that one of these, one of these out of the four in the final four, as it were, um, is simply nothing. I suppose it's nothing like the, the TV show it's based on. So, Grange Hill is nothing like Grange Hill um, no. in visual, visually, in any in any capacity. But I suppose the story is kind of Grange Hilly. You've got to go into the school and you get your Walkman back, and that probably yeah. is something that might have happened in Grange Hill. I'll give it that. Yes, but the actual <laughs> game they wrapped around it was god awful and didn't really work and it was just terrible 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 thing mm-hmm. so i think okay so where do we go next do we then look at the ones that they had the materials and they tried to make something good out of it then you into a special zone with transformers in it <laughs> do you want any of the other ones in there by the way do you want to talk like scooby-doo or thundercats highlander 
No, because I think I thought about it and I thought Scooby-Doo, it's not very good, but it is kind of a working, almost a working platformer. And okay, it's not a great Scooby-Doo game, but in the same way that Grange Hill isn't a very good Grange Hill game. Um, but um, Grange Hill does the other thing of being a crap game as well. Yeah, Scooby-Doo yeah. is at least a playable run yeah, it's, along. It's and, play- and the same as, as Thundercats. It's a Master clone, isn't it? So. Yeah, Thundercats just wasn't a Thundercats game to begin with. So no. it never started. So it's not really a Thundercats game. It's just something that's been dressed in Thundercats clothes, and that's not the same thing. But Transformers. Highlander? That, what about, just before we get to Transformers, Highlander? No, no, because Highlander is it's a crappy fight, sword fighting game, and it is based on one bit of the film. But the film isn't great. <laughs> and there's not no. a lot to make out, make into a game. Really odd. And I've tried not, I've tried not to punish them for making because Cobra sort of falls into the list of an odd choice to make a game from because it was a, a, a fairly uh, no highly rated, not highly rated, but an 18, 15 to eighteen rated film, I suppose. I don't know. I think it was an eighteen, maybe with its. I think it was. Yeah. So does it make for good? No. Does it make for good game fodder? Well, what they tried to do with Cobra doesn't work. Worse still was what they tried to do with Big Trouble in China, which really doesn't work. And then again, with Transformers. Just, okay. Just, so I think if I was going to look at those four and I had to take one out, I'd say probably Grange Hill, because then you're left with three attempts at some big licenses. Grange Hill is a very local UK license. No one's going to really know what that is outside of the UK. But and even you could argue maybe Big Trouble is kind of because it was kind of a big flop, wasn't it, when it came out in the cinema? But Transformers and Cobra, they, they were huge films, with big blockbuster stars in Transformers, especially as well. They, certainly the animated show, as it was at this point. Yeah, um, I mean Transformers. Yeah, if, we, if we, Transformers, I mean in and of itself is a, a range of toys about transforming cars into robots. Yeah, I mean this it, this writes itself, <laughs> and it's the, and it's the, and it's the exact target demographic of the Commodore sixty four audience. Yes. And, and you don't have to work hard with that audience to please them. And then what, what did they do? What did they do with Transformers, Graham? Well, for, you get that weird... I mean, they turned it into a really, really dull I don't, a monstrosity, a, a dull, boring monstrosity with a really weird graphic novella in it where they all look bored. All the Transformers <laughs> look thoroughly bored to be there. It's like, yes. These are supposed to be exciting battles between these you know, giant sort of vehicle sort of slash robot things, whatever they are, these, these auto, what are they called? The um, Autobot versus the Decepticons, isn't it? And yeah. And that's and that, this big eternal power struggle going on. And there's so much mileage in all of that. And yes, it's complicated animation, but you can, you know, and you can simplify it a bit, not as much as they did. And then just, <laughs> you know, and pick actual Transformers. You know, there's good Transformers in there. You don't need the silly ones that they put in there. I think they are actual real Transformers. It's just the, it's just the B-list Transformers. And I don't know why... The I, they, couldn't afford, <laughs> they couldn't afford the license for the... If you've got to pick a Prime, you do Optimus. It's not hard. Yeah. You don't do Rodimus. No, don't. And Rodimus was never that famous, was he? I don't, maybe in the context of the cartoon show, he was. I don't know, but... My prevailing image I have of that game is all of those Transformers lined up on that sort of horizon line. (laughs) It's the one one I have is that one looking sad (laughs) and the other one patting him on the back and the one just lying down dead in the room. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) and the game itself, the game logic was really stupid because you had that really weird map thing and you had to sort of click on it and then sort of send your Transformers to the map on that weird sort of, and it was David Crane, wasn't it? It was. It was an over, it was overthinking uh, basically a kid's license, yes. trying to make it into something else. Yes. And all you really needed to do was but make it into a shooter, just make it into a yeah. transforming. Certain bits where you had to go on the line. You could have done something like Spy Hunter. If you yeah. think Spy Hunter is to transform it, so there's a bit you're going on it where you're in your truck, and then there's a bit where you have yeah. to go what? So you transform into a plane or something, or a jet, yeah. or it would have been hard. And okay, might not have been great, or might, the thingy, but it would have been you controlling been- a transformer, transforming, doing stuff shooting the Decepticons. It would have been tonally closer 
to an actual transformer if there was actual trucks in it that transformed into robot things <laughs> yeah. as opposed to sort of depressing looking sort of what looked like hoover, <laughs> looked like sort of hoovers and vacuum cleaners just looking around just like leaping around bored leaning around on i things. mean i kind of i kind of do admire him sort of thing because he's almost made like the first existential c64 game where it's about it's about just what the pointless the pointlessness of these sort of b-list transformers who don't really yeah. get the limelight and they're like oh we no one wants us no. Like the, and we can see why they're rubbish and we, and, and we said at the time this is just a travesty it's a travesty because when you look at them I and mean, I mean, we've got a lot more Transformers material to, to think about now obviously with all the movies and stuff but just take them out and think of the cartoon show that was there and all those amazing voices and the tonality of it the t- there's a great tonality to Transformers yeah. there always has been it's, mm-hmm. it's all lost when you've just got you know bored looking you know what looked like Dyson Hoovers just strewn around <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then you know, then we've got Big Trouble in Little China, which is a fighting game with no fighting in it of any kind, really. <laughs> a floating egg shen. and just floating characters and this kind of triple selection screen that makes absolutely no difference to get. It doesn't make any sense, and it's certainly not a Big Trouble in Little China game. That is no. clearly something that started out as something else. And you and wield they, a dildo. Yes, it's just rubbish. And then on top of that, you've got Cobra. Cobra was bugged. Remember, Cobra had bugs in it, so I was followed around by a pair of legs in that game for ages. Yeah. Flash before they die, don't they? The people in it for some reason that nobody can explain. Yeah, and your health is a burger. And your health is a burger, and the game is impossible. Really, it's impossibly yeah. hard. And they did it deliberately. It's kind of it's trying to follow a kind of Green Beret logic for no reason. It doesn't have to follow that logic because Cobra is nothing to do with Green Beret. Yeah, I think it's more. Um, I think when I think back, it's more it's more thingy, isn't it? It's more uh, Contra Grizor. It is. Yeah, and you've got to escort that woman around, don't you? And, yeah. and it's terminally stupid and and never actually does what you want them to do and so no yeah programming you know friendly ai on the c64 is probably not the best of things to try no. and do at the time i don't so, know what, uh, but so out of those three i think because it's such a heavyweight disaster transformers is probably my number one out of that because that's the one that offended me the most because of its because of what it should have been really i thought big trouble would have offended you more it's bad but i also think that it's just a crap game and it's not and transformers is an attempt at trying to make a good game and that's what's bad about it because it's a crap good game as opposed to a, a crap crap game um, <laughs> what say that again <laughs> so Transform- i mean my, my thing is that when they were making big trouble in little china they knew it was going to be crap i think when they were making Tram- transformers they thought it was a good thing they thought that was good oh um, right okay yeah yeah so we're saying and I think yeah. so, and because they, you know, and it's got a good game designer behind David Crane. He's no, no, he's he's a good designer in many ways. So something went horribly wrong, and I'm guessing timings and all sorts of factors. I don't know the nuances of trying to work on a Transformers license at that time. I imagine you're getting a lot of pressure from the toy manufacturers and things to say they don't look anything like our toys, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, why is it transforming? And where's the action? Well, it's yeah. on this screen. Well, yeah. what's on why, this screen? Why am, I, why am I shooting things on an oil rig? Why can't yeah. I be chasing somebody down in the desert? You know, that's the, just make the opening sequence of Transformers. It's that's more exciting than that game. Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is a really weird license to choose. Anyway, I mean, it's and it's and it's well, also nothing this... to do with Big Trouble in Little China other than it's got the name. I mean, no, I think we, we said it. this in the review. I think what happened with Big Trouble is that it was you know any film at the time that was looking like it was going to be a big hit was getting picked up, wasn't it? And mm. I think Big Trouble in Little China, as we know, bombed. So I think what probably midway through they were like, just just get this game out quick. Just yeah, yeah, just put it, it out. Just, just put it out. Just get it out. We can't yeah, spend any like, more what? money on it because you know no, it, the damage is done. We need to get it out and try and recoup some costs. Yeah. It's already but it's bombed in the US to so get it out in the UK early before yeah, people know what's going on so i think that's what happened with that i think there's a little bit of that i may be wrong and, I'm, and obviously i'm just postulating but it, it wouldn't surprise me cobra was already out and about and they tried to do something but 
and and, yeah. and again, it's much better on other machines. It's much better yeah, on the, uh, yeah. it's much better on the Spectrum. It's already finished. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I got the sense that Big Trouble at Channel sixty four wasn't a really a finished thing. Um, and Cobra, well, like we said, Cobra has a lot of problems outside of the fact that the game logic doesn't work, the graphics are awful, the sound is quite good in it actually, but everything else is a bit of a letdown. Yeah, the sound actually um, made my sound original sound list because the tune tune by Ben Daglish is really good. It is good. It's just um, trapped in that awful, and it's nothing to do with Cobra as far as I could ascertain. It's got the word Cobra yeah. on it. I agree, and there's that title screen which was all right, I suppose. A bit wide. But, the opposite yeah, of, it's just opposite of Indiana. <laughs> Fat Cobra. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but um, it was just, unfortunately, a really terrible game. So, you know, it's, it's just things you couldn't avoid in there. The bomb pram things were really annoying. Just the fact that it, it started just... off where you had to jump immediately, otherwise you were yeah. lo- you get yeah. you were dead. Yeah, it's just yeah. stupid. So I think Transformers definitely for me is at the top of that list because it's just offensive to it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Transformers. I feel the pain for people who are. Um, <laughs> I love Big Trouble at China the movie, but that's so far removed from whatever that turd is that they try to make them. Yeah. it's far enough away from it to be in at number two and cobra again out of the three it's the it's the least shit but that's not saying much in that license list of catastrophe is it yeah and we no. didn't even mention someone like judge dread or anything no and again that whole list we picked we've just picked the three out there that we think but there's tons in that list there's there tons is. and it's so many bad licenses and there'll be more to come. <laughs> there will, I'm sure, be a nightmare next year as well. But yeah, there we go. Transformers. I think Transformers is a, is a worthy number one because it is so. It tr- it tries to do something that it just doesn't need to be trying to do. Yeah. It, and, yeah. And, and and then it what it does do, what it does try to do it fails out miserably. Yeah. And all that loading and all that stuff that was unnecessary. Nowadays. Yeah. And and the, the the thing about the thing that I do like about Transformers though is that I felt the pain of those robots. Yeah, um, within it, with the, the, with the, they were depicted, you know, patting them on the shoulder, falling down dead in rooms. Yeah. That's pretty much my experience of playing that game. That's it, exactly. Um, so on that right, on that one, yeah, I think Transformers is a worthy number one in the license catastrophe. So would you like to uh, would you like to announce that Graham, our license catastrophe winner for this year? The award for licensed game catastrophe goes to Transformers. Yay, boo, yay, boo. I feel kind of lots of envy. Yeah, I feel I feel like in that it's the one thing that the one thing you don't want to happen with a licensed game, isn't it? The one thing you don't ever want to happen is you put people off the license. Yes. Yeah, and that's exactly. What that does. That does. That makes you makes you not want to ever look at another Transformer again because like, they all look depressed and miserable. I don't want to do that. <laughs> they really do. It's the uh, Depressimus Prime. <laughs> Depressimus. <laughs> oh, don't bother with those Decepticons. Morbid Prime. Yeah. <laughs> the Depressicons. Decepticons, <laughs> just Smepticons. Who cares anyway? Yeah, the, the Depressicon. Uh, <laughs> Oh, there we go. I'm not, I'm not laughing at people being depressed, obviously, just that they look depressed. And Transformers no, never look depressed. Tra- Transformers, <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing they're not. No. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Right. Uh, we're going to go away for a, f- uh, a couple of minutes. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. And obviously, we have Big Award. The Big Award coming up after the break. We have Best Game coming up. We've also got Patreon Awards, Best Film, Best Music, and then what to look forward to next year. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to take five minutes here uh, and then we'll come back with that so uh, see you in a bit the novel escape from the commodore 64 by david hearn is out now crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics can sarah find a way to escape for real or is she stranded on a planet full of sun sea and chippy tea forever 
Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. And we're back. We're back for the final part. Going to get everything done now. Let's just get straight into it. Best game. Best game of the year for 1987. So we're finally, we've waded through all the rubbish, the bad catastrophe, you know, the bad licenses, the bad arcade conversions, crazy concepts, Sunday best. We've done all them. Let's have some good stuff. And so our best game, we did our normal stuff. We whittled down our list. Uh, nominations that came in for the list for best game were Nebulous, World Class Leaderboard, Defender of the Crown, International Karate Plus, Bubble Bobble, Whizball, and Maniac Mansion. The ones we agreed on were Nebulous, Defender of the Crown, International Karate Plus, and Whizball. Ooh, it's a tough list, that. It is. Now, I will say, um, obviously, Maniac Mansion, um, I can understand absolutely 100% why you put it in. I get I get it, I get it. And I didn't, it, it, I can, from a technical point of view and from its lineage and everything, I can see that it's important. And I think it would be probably number five. Although Bubble Bobble, you know, was in there no, as well. I, I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't, I put it in my best game, but I wouldn't put it in, in that list of top, out of the two, out of, between yeah. two of us. Um, it, it, I wouldn't put it back in. It's too personally prefer- preferable i i like those kind of point click games but they're not for everybody it's like if we put an adventure game text adventure game in there because it was great and everyone loved it it doesn't yeah. mean that it's you know it's for everybody yeah and it's important that we have that distinction that we've got on the best game we have to have agreement we have to have parity we do um same with bubble bubble i think bubble bubble is a fantastic conversion um but it is a conversion so you know there is there is mm. that and in world class leaderboard it, it, it's the pinnacle of the leaderboard series we'd already given it best game i just wanted to give it its props really it was like you know it is it's but world class leaderboard is brilliant but it's not going to stand up against these considering where we are now so that's that those three so nebulous defender of the crown ik plus Whizball. okay so for me if i look just look straight at those four i'm thinking Whizball is not in the final three what? really Whizball is a great game but it's a shoot it's a shoot up derivative and there are and there are a lot of shoot em up games that, that aren't in that list that probably could have been if we were just looking at it that way it's an amazing game Audio, visually, very good. Crazy kind of cool. But let's talk about... Uh, and it is two-player and you've got the Catalyte. And all I, think, the- I think the thing with Wizball to sort of recognise as well is the the design behind it, the ability to... Your your freedom of movement between those first three, you know, go through those three levels, get, get grabbing the colours, you have to move from section yeah, to yeah, section. No, d- d- um, and it, denying and it's, it's a good game. And it's down, that's, you know, that, that design is down to you so you can approach it as you wish to approach it. Yeah. Like you said, the two-player mode. No, and in any other year, Wizball would have been perhaps in the top three. But against International Karate Plus, no chance. IK Plus is such an astonishing game to play because it's instant in, instant fighting, and there's not a great deal more to it, is there? Um, <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean it's a fighting game, but it's yeah, but it's also one, two, three player, isn't it? And that makes it different. 
and that true, is important. Yeah, true, true, yes, yeah. I'm not going to argue. Yeah, it was in my um, so top, I think top list. International Karate definitely deserves to be in the list. I'm not saying where necessarily, but it's in the list. Defender of the Crown, I think, has to be in there because it's an important landmark in terms of game quality. All of a sudden, production values have landed. These games have all got amazing production values, some slightly better than others. And not, I'm not saying Wizball hasn't because Wizball's production is astonishing. But Defender of the Crown trumps a 16-bit version of the same game. That takes some doing. Yeah, it does. That yeah. takes some doing. It's got more in it than the Amiga version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that takes some doing. Um, and remember that Defender of the Crown was the game that was the big seller of the Amiga. That was one of the big holy grails of the Amiga at the time when it first came out. Yes. And remember seeing, still, I remember seeing so, the original screens going, oh my God. So Defender of the Crown was a must, must-have game. It was a must-have game on disc, without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm trying to think where, where, where have I had the most fun out of all of those. Now, as contentious as it may be, Nebulous is, is a technically amazing game, but I've had more fun with Whizball than I have with Nebulous. So I think maybe, do I put, is Nebulous, does Nebulous, should it be knocked out of the best game? It's an amazing game, but it's very hard. It's a very solo player, very tough game, very clever, and all of those amazing things. But is it more, it, how much fun is it to play? Compared Loads. to Whizball or compared I to IK Plus? I, I would argue Nebulous is has that balance of frustration and that, like I said in the like I said when I was reviewing it, it's that notion that the mis- the thing with Wizball sometimes is that Wizball doesn't always feel like the mistakes are yours. Yeah, to some extent. How far have you got in Nebulous? Uh quite far when I've actually but, yeah, put but my how, net- but how many finished, times have you finished, finished Wizball? And um, yet you will have finished Wizball with one or two player. Yes, yeah. So I, mean, I think there's yeah. something to be said about a game that's completable. Yeah, I d- yeah, I, yes, but how far do I get in IK Plus these days? Not well, very. It's a, it's a different kind of game, though. Um, that's not a game where you're trying to get to the end of something. That's just a game. It's just a fighting game, so you just fight. And in its, in its merit comes in its multiplayer options. And maybe that shouldn't be in the top three either because of that. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, I mean, not to play devil's advocate, but let's not be fooled by the over-technical ability of Nebulous to impress us. And the game itself is beautifully designed, but it's incredibly hard and it's quite punishing. Turn of the Crown is achievable and it's visually compelling and it tells a really nice story and it's got a sort of a nice beginning, middle, a cinematic quality to it. And that's very important. Interastocratic, maybe it's just a one-trick pony, but it's an tr- incredible trick. But I suppose once you've got past that trick, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have talked yourself around into putting Wizball no, back I'm, in because they're the four really good games I think I'd, put, I think I'd have Nebulous Defender of the Crown and Wizball in the top three and I think IK Plus is amazing as it is perhaps it's not a be- it's not the best game out of those certainly not the best game of that year it's a great game but it's not the best game it's the best fighting game on the C64 yeah it is but that doesn't make it the best game of that no, year no 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 it doesn't um, because I think, I, think, I think you're right I think the thing with International Karate Plus is yes it has the X player yes it's incredible technically yes it's fast and with different speeds you can play it at an elder little touches and everything around it but kind of what we said about ik to from ways it's, it's, it's evolution i know it's an evolution down what a route that never was really taken adding that third player but it is still it's a it's a fighting game it's a yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. a 16 direction fighting game yeah it is and i think it's an amazing game but it's not the best game no i would i think i think my three of those to be in the top three for best game and i think because of the, the variety that they offer and the challenge that they offer in amongst themselves of, of like getting you to do different things. And I know Nebulous is kind of a one trick that you've got to climb the tower, but there's different elements to it. It would be Nebulous, Defender of the Crown and Whizball. That would be my top three. Not 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 in that particularly that order. No, I'm not no. saying that's the order. But, but, uh, I think uh, I think I'd take International Karate out because it's the best fighting game, but it's not the best game out of those four. And so you're left with a very difficult choice here because Nebulous is stunning looking in every way that it could be. And it is, but it is punishingly hard. 
If, you know, you might, I mean, I got to Tower 3, but with three lives, I, I was no chance I was going to get past the other five towers, never in a million years. Mm-hmm. And it was just it so hard. hard. Yeah. And it, I mean, and that wasn't down to the fact I was dying on the, I was running out of time. You know, I was just, that's why it was mainly killing me. Mm. I think Wizball, from a game, technically, technical game point of view, is a really clever, playable mix of shoot them up collect them up and and sort of it's a mishmash of different ideas that shouts iterated it's been iterated upon that idea Mm. and that's a really interesting notion of a because defender of the crown isn't defender of the crown is very much a narrative that it follows whizball you could tell that that um uh, john Hare and um chris yates is it yeah 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 um you can tell that they they started off with one thing and then they iterated over that and got something else working and they got some central ideas and they just kept iterating on it in that kind of proper game dev style almost game jam style and you ended up with whizball and they would argue that you know i know that there was some basic they had some ideas around the ball and moving it around but i think even john Hare, when we spoke to him said they kind of iterated itself into that in that kind of way that they did into whizball it became whizball and because it's an organic game of two people just whose ideas started to formulate into something and it became this amazing thing i can't imagine that nebulous was ever created that way i think nebulous somebody sat down and planned nebulous out and made it now that's amazing in its own right Mm -hmm. but i think in terms of playability and coming at this and sort of just the excitement of all the stuff going on i think whizball is probably the best out of all of those because of it's just it's just so visually interesting and it's all really interesting and there's lots of going on nebulous is a very strong contender for best game design you know, it would probably would win best game design but the game is too hard a little bit too punishing it if they'd have just had a practice level or just an ability to practice things or you could practice any level any any of the towers in any order or something like that those little tiny differences would have made it a bit more approachable but without that you are going to be playing the first four levels of nebulous over and over and over again and i think that's that's the problem I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's the knocks it off the top, but it's a problem. Defender of the Crown sits in an interesting world of its own. There's nothing quite like Defender of the Crown at this time. Nothing else is really comes. You know, none of those games are anything like it. You've got to shoot them up. You've got a, a platform puzzler, and then there's Defender of the Crown, which is some kind of interactive narrative experience, totally different yep. to any of those. And I think so. It depends on how you then categorize game. Now, for me. I'm going to throw into this all the parameters that you have to have in there to really make it a really good game. So one of those key things for me is the ability to have one or two player. And only one of those games has that. Okay. So, so I think from a playability, from a two player, one player, the cleverness of the controls in Wizball to be able to control even in one player and still have a good experience, but also have the two player option if you want and do all of that stuff. I think... I would place Wizball at the top, potentially, and I would say Nebulous would come a very close second. And I think because it exists, it's just telling a narrative story with different visual images, and that is clever. I think Defender of the Crown would probably be third. And I also sat there looking at this list thinking, should Defender of the Crown even be in that list? I'm just starting to think. I'm starting to think, should it be in that list? Are there not? Is the world-class leaderboard not a better game than Defender of the Crown? Defender of the Crown is an amazing experience, but world-class leaderboard is a better game. And this is best game award, not best game movie award or best narrative story award or whatever like that. This is about game. And I played Defender of the Crown a lot and I got a lot of fun out of that. But once you've done it and you know the way to do it, you can do that that way every time. It's not that hard. But there's a lot of game in world-class leaderboard. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking out loud because you could argue the same for Interstellar Karate if you're going to put that back in and say, well, if it's about multiplayer and all of those things and action and all of that, well, that's got that too. I don't know. Bubble Bobble's a great two-player game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just thinking, you know, I know we both agreed on Defender of the Crown as best game. I don't know. 
Is it the best game though? See, I was erring towards it as the winner because I think that I think that Defender of the Crown, and I, I agree with everything you said, and I'm not going to disagree. It's not a case of disagreeing with those things, but I think that thing with Defender of the Crown is that Defender of the Crown is is one of those games that is starting to, and maybe because it's come from the Amiga, so it's come from something that's a bit more powerful. But it's starting to do something a bit different with not just telling a narrative. We've had we've had stories with narratives and things like that, lots of adventure games, things like that. But it's starting to do something a little more interesting with character development. It's some, starting to do something a bit more interesting with the way that the game is presented and how you approach it. I know there's a lot of strategy games that do this as well, but this is starting to pull everything into it. So it's pulling those arcade elements with the uh, sword fight in, you know, the little the little interstitial sort of moments where you'd have to do something like the the catapult sequence, the jousting. So it, it pulls yeah. in, it pulls in those moments, also wrapping that up in those great visuals. It also wraps that up in a in a in a tale that we know it's based on Ivanhoe. We get we get that, you know. So it is, you know, it's based on this historical story, but it manages to pull all that together and still work to this day. And I know they all work and we, we enjoy them all, but I think that there's something about Defender of the Crown that is is almost, and I know it came a year before, and, and I'm trying to put my finger on it, but it's almost like a, a foreshadow of, of the way games were going to go. Maybe. Whereas I think that Nebulous, Wizball, and IK Plus is interesting, but Nebulous and Wizball are very much games of the time. And I get that, and they're brilliant examples of games of that sort of 2D element. They're doing clever things, and they're doing lots of that, and they're kind of refining those things that have gone before. So it's a platformer, it's a shooter, and that's what they are. If we boil them down to what they are, that, that's what they are. The shooter collect them up, platformer. You know, the technical stuff around them is all is, is clever, don't get me wrong. I think Defender of the Crown is, is pushing games in a different direction and doing it. We've seen other bits that have tried this and trying to do with it, and Defender of the Crown not only you know it, it it pulls it all off with sumptuous visuals sound the sound is great from richard joseph and and you know the visuals the presentation everything is there and for me i think defender of the crown is a really important game because i think it's it's a it's a it's a it's you know it's a foreshadowing of what's gonna what's gonna start to happen with video games around this time as more powerful machines come in and i think to put and not only that but it like as you rightly said it takes the amiga version which what we know wasn't finished properly because they had to rush it out. But it gets all those bits from the Amiga version that didn't make it in, puts them all in, rounds it all off. Yes, okay, you can you can argue that if you know how to finish it, you can get your way through it. But I pretty much, you know, if you, you if you've got the reactions, you know how to progress through Wizball. It's not that tricky, as you said. Nebulous is the is the hard one here. Defender of the Crown is 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 not that tricky, but it's also not obvious. I mean, I didn't make it through on this playthrough because I don't know the way through it. So I had many many games of it. Got quite far. Didn't get quite far. Did get quite far. Did, you know, and I enjoyed every single one of them. And the ebbs and flows of that kind of risk-like board game-esque video game-esque narrative game-esque story game presentation movie thing all wrapped together in that one cohesive ball is why i would put this at the top but i, I fundamentally disagree on everything okay. you've said <laughs> fair enough um defender of the crown is visually compelling and there's no denying that but so is a book i think the games that are inside defender of the crown while they're fun ish they're not very good let's be honest they're not the sword fighting is quite lame the catapult is quite boring and the actual strategic fighting when you're in the field is dull it's those parts of the game are where it's at its worst where it's at its best is when it when it's showing you visually nice things yeah maybe and that is amazing that is amazing but it doesn't that is it it can't be just that there's not enough gaming in defender of the crown for it to be a game a good game it's it's amazing experience for the first few times but i don't think the game is just the sort of interactive gaming elements it's also the the strategy around 
around picking what to do, thinking where to go, how many men to put out and things to but go. there isn't that much strategy to well, that's that. why I think it's quite clever because it manages to balance that strategy element with a decent, oh, I think a decent little arcade arcade game within it. They're not, they, don't, no. they don't overstay their welcome and, and that's why... But that's that's where I would recover it from. Well, I, I, I don't I don't agree. I don't okay. think Defender of the Crown deserves that kind of reverie. I think it's in, it is great, and it's at the time there was nothing else quite like it, and it does have an important place. But so does Maniac Mansion. If that's the case, if we're going to look at games that have an important place and and they represent a, a turn of events in yeah, game that's design, why, that's why I said that's why I could completely understand but, Maniac Mansion being in there. Yeah, but for the same reasons that Maniac Mansion has Maniac Mansion has flaws and problems, Turn of the Crown has flaws and problems in it. Some of those are um, none of those are graphical. No, it's graphics. There's no denying the audio are fine, but its game isn't very good. It's good. It's good. It's just not as good as something like Wizball or Nebulous. And I think I don't know. It's a difficult. It's difficult because they're all graphically amazing in their own sort of way. Whizball has an edge over them all in terms of its playability because it is really active and lots of stuff happening. Nebulous has that challenging, kind of annoying quality which makes you want to keep trying even though it drives you bonkers. And Defender of the Crown is, you know, you just want to see what kind of more graphics there are. There's not tons of graphics in it, but what there are, when you see those images of the castles, stuff like that, it does put you in that place. You're in Mm -hmm. that zone with it. But it doesn't mean it's the best game. It might be the best, you know, it might be great visually. It might be important, but best game, um, as in, you know, I'm going to sit down and, and, and compare that with some of the others. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, if it stays in the list, it certainly wouldn't be in my top three. It certainly wouldn't be, sorry, in my top of top three. It's, it would maybe be, it's got to be behind for me, Nebulous and Whizball. For me, for me, my list would probably be, probably be based on the quality of the game and the amount of fun I've had with it over the years. Um, I would probably, probably be Whizball, Nebulous, maybe not even, I don't know, maybe not even that, maybe, I don't know, because I Defender the Crown on disc, and it was a really important game to get on disc for the C64. So if I'm going to go out of how much fun and how much of my experience is is in those things it would probably have to be Wizball Defender of the Ground Nebula strangely is that I think if we, if, we, said. If, if we were going on how much fun we've had over the years I think IK Plus would win out hands down oh, it, it, it would but I think I had more fun on the Amiga version um, because I had the Amiga version for longer We, I mean we did but I think, I think fundamentally the Amiga version is pretty much the same game isn't it yeah, it, but that's the problem with it. It's uh, yes, you could you could say yeah. It's, if it's just about that, but um, we just had the we just had your Amiga, and that was like, well, we're not going to play this because your Amiga was well, set I, up. I played the living crap out of Whizball. I mean, I hammered that game, and I had that on tape long before I had a disc drive, mm. um, oh, and yeah. I still went back to it even when I had a disc drive. I still um, eventually when I got a copy of disc, obviously, but I, I still loaded it off tape even when I had a disc drive to play that. Nebulous, I didn't get to quite a bit later on, and there's no denying Nebulous is an astonishing thing because. It is just amazing, and I'm hard pressed to sort of say because I I just don't know if it's the best. I suppose that we're looking at the best game of that year, actually thinking about it, and I keep sort of slipping in out of best game of all time in my mind. I think, um, and out of the year, out of the best game of 1987, Nebulous is probably maybe the maybe the best of that year um, out of that list. Wizball, a very close second, maybe to end of the crown. I, I perhaps wouldn't have actually had it in the three, but if I had to, I'd put it at the third. I mean, I'm quite happy to go. Ne- okay, I mean. I get your arguments against Defender of the Crown. I do. I understand them. And that's probably so. I think what I'll do is I'll put... It's not that... I, I love Defender of the Crown. I really do. But I understand your arguments against it. And, and I can see why you would put the others above it. And, and I get that. So kind of like what we said about when we looked at leaderboard the other year and things. It's that mm. in, it, We're looking at what, what, what makes things. So I'm happy to move stuff around and do stuff down. I mean, and if we're talking about... 
things of that year, I mean, I, 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 on my list, if it was my own personal list, it would be Defender of the Crown at the top. And I, and I get that sort of thing. So I think I'll take, I'll step back and, and I'll look at it objectively and try and, you know, try and put this objective away sort of thing. And if that, I was to look at this subjectively, sorry, objectively, my list would be probably Nebulous Whizball IK+. Plus. Yeah, interesting. Interesting, yeah. If it, IK+, plus keeps coming in and out, doesn't it? It does. But the thing with, I think the thing with what I rate Nebulous above Whizball for is... I can I can give or take the two player mode. I, I, that doesn't I, I I don't really throw that in because you know most most games I ever play were always single player and we played them single player this time so it is what it is. I played some you know I played Wizball in my time two player I had like Druid and things like that. I've done those games two player. But the thing is with Nebulous, I, th- I just think Nebulous is that core simple idea done perfectly well and it just does it and and and, and I don't know I don't know. <sighs> I mean, you probably could if you sat down and thought about it, but off the top of my head, I'm not quite sure what you do to improve Nebulous, apart from make it maybe a bit bit more approachable. Well, pra- practice modes and, and yeah. tower but, selection. But, but, and... but yeah, so those kind of things you would put in, but the actual core gameplay loop, there are things with Wizball that I think you could... You you could you know with a bit bit of thought and I know the C sixty four is probably the best version of it still, but I just think Nebulous is just such a pure core idea that yeah. there's nothing else like it. No, no. I'm- I was thinking about it. Actually, you're right. And then it suddenly occurred to me that um, Captain Toad's Adventure is kind of a nebulous variant, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, in which case, then Nebulous wins. <laughs> yeah, I was just well, I was just thinking because you know we've said well, no, there's nothing quite like Nebulous, and I thought actually there is, and that really works. Yes, <laughs> and Captain some Toad, of the Mario yeah. 3D Mario games are a bit nebulousy, are they not? When you're going up towers and trees and towers and things in those yeah, games. Or, or, yeah, and when you're going around um, like the planets in Super Mario um, so, Odyssey, not Odyssey, I think there Galaxy is, I think, and stuff. So I think there is some some legacy perhaps of that i'm not saying it's necessarily related but i just think that yes i think if we're going to go for best game of this year and out of those then i would agree nebulous definitely is the best game and um, whizball i think is probably a good second game in that that list and then the third one well international karate might be in there bubble bobble could maybe come out every time i'm not a huge fan of bubble bobble but it's a i don't know but i think maybe ik plus if we're going about how much time spent if that's if that's going to be factored in and how much fun and how much and how much and what was the the, no, the wow factor i mean defender of crime does have a wow factor i don't get me wrong but international cry blew my mind when it loaded up and it had three players it just took my breath away i didn't think that was possible mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah so and world class leaderboard is just you know it's a it's a expansion of leaderboard it is leaderboard with trees yeah so i think you're right i think nebulous Wizball international karate plus ik plus is a good triple for the best game of 1987 and if we were going going to do a list at some point of the best games of all time then defender of the crown would be definitely in that list i think, I think so yeah and it's like maniac man they all would be all seven i mean yeah we're yeah, talking we're talking here seven we, you know we're splitting hairs and, and although we might sound down on one game going oh but don't do this do that we have to sort of couch well, that in the terms we of have to wrestle we think, it yeah we think all these games are amazing yeah yeah absolutely. <laughs> we do yeah, love all these like, games no so it's, it's like picking the picking the best ones out of the yeah, best isn't it's it it's like looking, you know it's like looking at your child and going you know who's the best, who's the best one well you've got that hair so i think i love you all but your hair's not as good as his and and so you suddenly start to sound really mean but you're not you just i owned all these games i bought the original of all these games at one point or another and so with it and I, it actually in terms of the crown i bought a pirate version then i bought the original because the pirate version basically stopped functioning yeah, so I had it was a bit iffy about them, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was. I think it was just it was pirated on it, and I remember buying it and thinking this is probably bad. Um, but uh, so it's not like you know we, these are all. There was no p- purchasing behind these. There's no money spent. You know, we've had, you know you and I have spent money on these things in the past. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and I chose like listeners of this podcast probably would have done, and like we all did, we chose what we bought very carefully. And now I had access to 
tons of games I didn't have to buy, but still I bought those and it was a great relief when I loaded up my 64 Maxi for the first time and I saw Nebulous was on it, put it that way. I thought, this is one game I'm going to like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I World Games on that on it and all sorts of other stuff. It's it? It, it, got all of those on it, but I remember seeing that one thinking, Nebulous, and then it's such an easy go-to game and such a straight up, straight in, straight in game. Like Wizball is. is something. Oh, yeah. Whizball does have that, like you say, you don't start off with, you start off Whizball. Yeah, that's the thing we didn't speak about about Whizball is that opening section. Yeah, you do start off with um, less able. bloody annoying. Yes, so there may be this, there may be that. Especially if you get trapped in between a thingy when you're bouncing around a bit and you, it's quite hard to yeah, get. No, no, I, I think I agree. I think Whizball is better later. Nebulous is great from the off and International Crack is also great from the off, but yeah. Limit, it's a bit more limited than the other two in yeah. terms of its gameplay. Yeah. yeah. I'll go on record as saying I think Defender of the Crown was my favourite that I played this year just because I loved it. It was amazing. But I never had it back then because I never disc drive. But I can objectively look at these and go, I think actually Nebulous is just it's just a one-off. And I know it's coming late and it's another one of those that's coming late in the last episode. Yeah, but, gone, you know, that's the way it is. I mean, is there, any, is there any games that have, outside of that, because obviously just before we decide on which order they go in, is there any that have genuinely come as a surprise to you at how good they were? You no, know, games that maybe you didn't come across so much and then you, when we've played over this year you've gone actually that surprised me at how good that was I didn't um, think I'd like that and it's better than I thought uh, things that I don't know I don't know if there's Pirates a, was that for me I think Pirates really surprised me yeah Pirates was good there's that zigzag but then again if you're, talking, if you're talking about ones that I, I kind of knew about but hadn't played I think Pirates is probably the biggest one because I'd never really I'd never actually had a play of it but I was quite impressed with how expansive that was and how yeah like, like a, I'm surprised that's not actually in there really but maybe it should have been but anyhow I think Games that I've, I've liked that I didn't know anything about, Zigzag, Pi R Squared. I think um, Hero and Park Patrol. Yeah, just makes um, sense budget-wise, you know. Yeah. We're going to have the battle I mean, of budgets. The, they'd, they'd be winning, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would be. I mean, there was Kickstart 2 again, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But yeah, I think Park Patrol, and, and I've, I've played Park Patrol and Hero, both of them before, but I think coming back to them now and, and seeing them for, you know, for two quid, that's such astonishingly good value for money. And just how, I mean, I looked at Park Patrol and I was like, this one, mate, this, this can't have been made in 1984. It's just too good. It's too good. It looks too good. The animation's lovely. Why aren't Power Patrol in our top game? <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think, I don't know, maybe those, because I, I was kind of slightly unaware of them to yeah. how good they actually were. But there's, you know, there's 320 games. I can't remember. No, I'm the same. I think just the ones that stand out for me that made me think, wow, that was actually quite impressive was was definitely Pirates for me out of all of them. Yeah. Um, and it's just the one that I thought, and it's also, it would also win the award for the game that Zap didn't know they had in their hands. <laughs> yes. Yeah, true. They didn't, did they? No, they didn't. But that's, that's no no disrespect to them. They you know sometimes you don't know what you've got till you, you know it's easy. Hindsight's wonderful, isn't it? But yeah, but it surprised me. I got I got I didn't think it would be, and I, and I normally don't like those kind of games either. So it really did surprise me. And I've, I've played it since. I've played it quite a few times. I, I quite enjoy it. So there you go. Just wondered yeah. what that would be. Anyway, so have we decided on a final three? I suppose is the. I think we have. Yeah, we just put these in order, and then to fold uh, to fold place that really. It was worthy list of amazing things so i think we, i think you know, that's right yeah that's it crazy uh, there we go so graham would you like to announce our best game for 1987 the award for the zap to the past best game of 1987 goes to nebulous Woo! well done nebulous well, well done. done nebulous yeah was it december that was in it, it was december yeah it was the one we said was a the, Finally, we said a worthy gold medal. <laughs> yes, well, it, Comple- it, it was. 
completely forgetting bubble bobble but you know hey ho <laughs> yeah and then, you know and then i suppose <laughs> special any, any special mentions for things i'd say special mention not in this best game category but just special mention overall for me pirates is a surprise hit and then i think she's construction kit deserves a big big old uh, flag wave because that's something very very extraordinary yeah um, absolutely i mean t- top end of stuff just looking at it i'm just looking at it now i mean there was the bard's tail was in there i mean you didn't like that as much yeah. i like it plus red lead that was quite interesting yeah uh it was not too bad um trying to see if there's any other big ones at the top i think qdex was a bit of a disappointment yeah qdex wasn't as good as I remembered it to be. Uh, Zenji, I enjoyed Zenji. I'm um, just looking at the top end of stuff. Bangkok Nights was disappointing. Star Pause was okay. They Star stole Pause a, was actually, the Roadrunner game that never was. Yeah, actually, they stole a million was in there as well, wasn't it? That was in my originally my yeah, top yeah, games of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think, I think that was very clever. And I think Rebounder was one of the biggest disappointments. Yeah, that went all wrong, didn't it? Throw it too did. much in, and that's what happens. Yeah. There we go. Anyway, yeah, that's it. That's our best game. Wow. Nebulous. Well done, Nebulous. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Um, I can't remember really, the guy's name. Really, really, really runners up to Whizball and IK Plus, of course. Yeah, IK Plus and n- nominations and worthy mentions Defender of the Crown, World Class Leaderboard, Bubble Bubble, and Maniac Mansion, along with loads of others. So there you go. That's our best game. Coming up next, uh, we're going to hear from um, our Patreons. See what they thought. Let's see what they thought. Um, see if they agree with us. They probably won't. Uh, they probably won't. Um, Definitely and, and, won't. And, yeah, they probably won't. And uh, see what their best games and sounds and stuff were for the year and, and their other awards. Let's see what they've said. And as promised, here they are. Here's our Patreon awards. Um, you can get in on this if you wish to give us your awards next year for 1988 by signing up to the Patreon. Obviously, we've said this before. We keep saying it. Patreon.com forward slash up to the past. Um, and on there, we've asked our patrons what they think were the best games, best music, whatever, really. We're just allowed in free reign. Give us, your, give us your awards. We've got some strange and wonderful replies, both in text and recorded, which you can listen to, which we'll be putting in. Um, and this is what they had to say. So let's get into this. So David Hearn, he said... His best game was IK+, Plus. the best visuals was Last Ninja, and the best sound was Whizball, which was close to the best game along with Pirate. Close. That's quite close to ours, is it? Is it? Yeah, know, pretty, I think they're away. pretty close, yeah. Pretty we're, close to ours. Yeah, 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 we'll see where that goes. Yeah, we, I mean, we can see all them. I mean, IK Plus is best game, yeah. I can understand. Best visuals, Last Ninja. Yeah, I get it. Last Best sound, Whizball, yes. I mean, Galway's opus. Goal, you know, it's another Galway winner. What, what, do you, what would you say? J-Dove? He says, now they say, best game, Maniac Mansion. Oh, no argument for me, really. I know, amazingly ambitious and the birth of an entire genre after Labyrinth came close. Best visuals to Defender of the Crown, amazingly close to the Amiga original. Um, and best music was Whizball, just over The Last Ninja, which is amazing. The comments say, Whizball still sounds like a group of guys at the pub jamming, which is an amazing achievement for a digital score. Good point, actually. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Any other categories? And he's got for, for, got for most important forgotten game and nominating Labyrinth. The first try LucasArts made it a graphic adventure and the foundation for one of the earliest social MMOs, Habitat. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Habitat was that kind of yeah. crazy open world thing, wasn't it? So yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, get that. I, can, I, can, yeah I, can, I can see it. I mean, I get it. Yeah. What else have we got here? Did we get a final one from Andy Marsh? No, Andy Marsh just threw out a few games Whizball IK Plus Nemesis Hero Barbarian Boogie Boy Kickstart 2 that's what he's thrown out so I'm not sure where they fit but I imagine they're the best games Jade of the best game create your utility shoot up construction kit yes I mean yeah <laughs> we didn't really look at many <laughs> other utilities so true <laughs> by default default 
default. Um, uh, we've got an audio clip here from Dr. Goggles, so we're going to put that in right now. Have a listen to what Dr. Goggles has to say about the year. Hi, Adrian and Graham. Here is my contribution to the 1987 Golden Breadbin Awards. In my admittedly increasingly hazy memory, 1987 was a golden time for the Commodore 64. I was 13 years old, I was yet to be troubled by GCSEs or any kind of responsibility. I had a lot of time on my hands and I had piles of cassettes to go at. I had my favourite magazine, Zap64, to tell me what to spend my hard-earned cash on. Looking back through the medium of the Zap to the Bass podcast, there was an unbelievable amount of dog egg released in that year that I must have selectively blanked out. However, there was still plenty of gold amongst the brown. My opinions here are limited only to the games I owned or played, which explains well-regarded classics like Pirates and Defender of the Crown being missing. My best games of 1987. Many of my all-time favourite C64 games were released in 1987, including Barbarian and the superb Whistball in July, my personal favourite Head Over Heels in August, despite it being a specky port, and the classic arcade port Bubble Bobble in October, and the single and multiplayer fun of International Karate Plus in November. However, for me, my all-time favourite C64 game, The Last Ninja in August, can't be beat. I won't hear a word against the controls, you just have to get good. Both graphically, orally and gameplay-wise, it's just an excellent game, with a simple but solid plot. Full marks for that. So all that remains to say is a big thank you for playing the game so that I don't have to, which I was very grateful for this year, and keep up the good work for 1988 and beyond. Thanks very much. Well, I never thought that. I am (laughs) genuinely humbled and stunned by that. Shocked. Shocked. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. What do you say? And who knew you could do that with a pineapple? This is far too much egg. Um, and, and finally, we have a drunken tirade from Buzzit, which is kind of amusing. That's um, brilliant. It is. Um, in a series of awards, we have the I am an abhorrent stain on my arcade conversion, the winner being Jailbreak. Um, <laughs> nobody picks me because I'm shit and I can't see a curveball, goes to street sports baseball. Uh, most dexterous, they stole a million. Why not Q-Dex? <laughs> yeah, why not know. Q-Dex? Uh, the mystery round... Uh, why did Ian Botham and Graham Goach both put out a test cricket game in the same month? That's going back a few years, but <laughs> money. And they didn't. Ian Botham's was an old, older game. Best series that got consecutively worse, Spy versus Spy. Yep. Going I to argue there. And finally, best joystick breaker, Daily Thompson. Yeah. I Although I would that. argue that the Activision one is probably harder with that 1500 meter ending yeah <laughs> yeah it's a bloody nightmare I, so. I don't really know what to say about um all the music clips so i'm just going to leave it there i think <laughs> i think that's yes i think we're uh, it's a good array of music clips we liked them we don't quite <laughs> we, we don't quite know what to make of it all <laughs> it but, was uh, a... apparently it's just in, in a celebratory kind of mood and i embrace that i like that yeah that's what our Patreon's all about and our Discord's all about. If you're feeling in that kind of celebration mood about anything that's going on in the country at that time, feel free. We're, we're always we're welcome for that kind of mayhem. So there you go. That's our, our patrons. They, they have said their, said their voices and that's that. So uh, we'll take a, you know, let's go away and then we'll come back with our next award. quick couple of little ones just to round out best film i've listed what i thought were some of the best films of the year got things like the fly ferris bueller's day off stand by me star trek 4 the voyage home i don't know why i write the voyages platoon evil dead 2 lethal weapon hellraiser oh god <laughs> full metal jacket the untouchables the witches of eastwick and inner space god what a bunch what a bunch in there i mean if you have to pick a best one out of that uh full metal jacket for me full metal jacket yeah good choice i probably my heart goes to evil dead 2 
Yeah. Um, just because that had such a massive impact on me. But I think my head goes to stand by me. Uh, you others have liked the old uh, train. Do you know, I was watching an interesting documentary about the way they made Full Metal Jacket the other day, just as, again, as a little aside. Um, they had to shoot, uh, use special film stock, 800 ASA film stock, to shoot that film. Because Kubrick insisted that they were, wherever possible, they use only single source lights or natural light. So <laughs> most of that film is actually lit by the sun. Um, by lights that you see in it in yeah, the actual yeah. set or by giant really like bright lights outside of buildings to simulate the moon and things like that that entire sequence where he shoots himself no spoilers there in the bathroom that's lit by a, by a giant uh, light outside to re- rep- uh, replicate the, the moon one single bright light outside that window wow that's crazy it was, it was, I put a link to the documentary I was watching about it. it's on YouTube it was genuinely quite fascinating yeah mm. very good I've got nothing to say about Stand By Me or Evil Dead 2 Stand By Me is amazing it's just it's yeah, really, I, watched, uh, I watched that the other night actually for some I think reason it's what, I just I think found myself watching it I think Stand By Me is one of those films that manages to work I know this is going to sound really a bit um, pretentious but I think it, it's one of those films that manages to work differently at different stages of your life have you seen the latest cut of that there's a new version of it out. I don't I don't know I have not yes there's like I think it's extended with a few scenes extended in it uh, okay but I think the thing with Stand By Me is you you kind of you know, as a kid you kind of watch it and on, where you identify and what you experience is mm. kind of what you bring to that film and I think that's why it's re- it really works as a good characters in that yeah it's good characters and their experiences and what they're going through the poignancy of memory Thinking yeah. back, loss. There's just just so much in Stand by Me. It's just a beautiful, beautiful film. You could almost be describing Hellraiser. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no tears, please. <laughs> I'd only like Hellraiser if they were all dog meats. Chappy win a lot. <laughs> win a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Meaty terrine Cenobite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, there is some amazing stuff. Hellraiser's, you know, all right, it's in that list. I won't. I, I didn't put it, I only put it in there for a bit of a laugh. I almost yeah, put Superman 4 in there because we had to. For know. a goof, yeah. Which of these weeks is an interesting one in there, though, so. Yeah, yeah well, just, you said, yeah. I know you said you really liked it, didn't you? So I included it. I, yeah, I I'm really not, like that, yeah. I'm not Good. a mass fan of it. The Fly as well, it's also incredible. Untouchables as well, he's also... Yeah, yeah. Um, Hilarious. <laughs> it's just a great <laughs> film. Uh, best music, now 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. We don't need to say any more about that. <laughs> no, we do not. Now, that's why I call Music 10. It's all the music, so it wins by default. It wins by default, yeah. By default. There we go. Uh, I think that's it. We've just got some things to talk, talk about. So we've got, the, yeah, we, uh, so just to sort of say, so we're going to go off for a break for next week, just because we, we deserve one after 320 games straight. Um, yeah, we're a bit, we're a bit so. knackered. And just also as well, so coming back into when we start 1988, both just, just a little bit behind the scenes here, both Graham and I have started new jobs recently. So time is, you know, you're in a new job, so it's not always you can, what are you doing? Why are you playing loads of C64 games? Ah, oh, shut up. You've got a new job. You've got to look good. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit harder to get through them at the moment. The last few weeks have been like, oh, God, where am I going in the time? But it, it, we've done what we've had. So lo- looking at the first three issues of Zap for 1988, there are 101 games just God. in the first three ep- issues. We can't. We can't. We, we, you know, normally we would do them one or two sort of thing, but we're actually spreading out a bit. So what, what it means is we're splitting them into four episodes an issue. We're, we're, it, which still actually means still eight or nine games an ep- an issue an episode. So it's not like you're getting less, you're a lot less. It's still still around a decent amount. I mean, it's more than what we did when we only had game you know issues with twelve games in. Yeah. So there's still that. So we're just to spread it out a bit. But what we're doing is we're, because we're just spreading the content out a little bit. So music will be singles one week, albums the following, 
TV the next film the following. So it's just going to be like that for the next 12 episodes as we get through this gargantuan amount of games. And just to sort of, because what I found personally is we, we play them, we play them all. It was the ethos of the show that we play them all. But as you said at the start of, start of this, you start to get a bit fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and maybe sometimes that sort of crept in a little bit. I don't know. It's hard to sort of stay on point yeah. when you, you look at another crap budget title and you're like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, I know that's crept into some of the things. It's just, it's just natural. So we're giving ourselves a week off. We're having a bit of a break. Then we're coming back with less games to look at, less TV to look at, less film, less music to look at in a week. Um, you yeah. know, we're still going to try and get the, the weeks out. So that, that's that's the plan. That's what we're doing. And so that that's that's where we are right now. And, and I think that is it is what it is but we're still going to go the other thing as well is we, we keep getting asked now i'm i'm just going to say it's a c64 podcast i know we've done some c16 stuff and some bits and bobs looking through next year's zap i think midway through zap becomes uh zap c64 and amiga there's no way we can cover the amiga games as well at this stage no no that'd be un- it wouldn't be feasible we just couldn't do it because I'm looking through the number of Amiga games that start to hit. There's just, there's just tons. To get, issues would go on for months. We'd be, we'd just be so, so we just couldn't do it. And they're bigger. Some of them are bigger involved games, you know. Exactly. Not- yeah, it's not as simple as you know, the C64 is an eight bit, mach- an eight bit machine. And most of the games, a lot of the games, are simple shoot 'em ups. You can play them 10, 15 minutes. You don't, you know, it is what it is. The Amiga games get a lot, a lot trickier. Do you play them on the 500, the 1200? Do you, you know, what do you play them on? Um, there's, there's lots of things like that to consider. So we are just sticking with the C64 as long as the C64 has games covered in that magazine. So it may get to a point where we're just doing, I don't know, one issue, you know, one week is an issue or because there's not much going on we don't know we'll have a look we'll see how it goes but as it is right now the 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 plan is just to keep doing the c64 stuff because that was our you know that was what we set out that was our mission statement at the very start was to play through all the c64 games later on if we finish when we finish all this who knows don't know but that's a that's a you know conversation yeah. for many many weeks down the line uh, we don't know but yeah. we are just going to keep with the c64 and speaking of that just for next year i've done a list here of games that just to look at that are coming this year and there's quite a lot i pulled out of the um over the next you know over the next 12 months stuff like you know, driller skate or die 720 degrees hunter's moon mm-hmm. nightmare oh god <laughs> platoon uh ikari warriors io oh, just no. seem to remember being rock hard it's, in, it's insanely hard. Yeah, Predator, um, Fourth and Inches, which I seem to remember being quite a well-respected That's American good. football game. Cybernoid, Pac-Land, mm. Mm, Revenge of Doe. Very good. Yeah, Rim Runner. Sounds uh, painful. Samurai Warrior, which I think is uh, Sega Yojimbo. Yeah, it That's, is. Yeah. Uh, Sega Yojimbo. Uh, Alien Syndrome, Grisor, okay. Target Renegade, Ooh. Bionic Ooh. Commandos. Oh, good music. Great Diana Sisters. Really great music. Yeah, Stormbringer. Um, Excellent. Barbarian 2. Oh dear. Interesting. Dark Side. And then Natural the life. interesting, uh, as Epics go off, into the game's winter edition. Mm. Hawkeye. Oh. Last Ninja 2. Is Hawkeye good? I can't remember. I think Hawkeye Hawkeye. Just, Hawkeye's got a mixy load. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? And, yeah. it's, and it is a really good game, yes. Yeah. Last Ninja Thalamus game. Yeah, it is, yeah. I remember the cover. The cover of that guy screaming with a metal eye. Yeah. yeah I thought it was. Last Ninja 2. Mm, excellent. Salamander. Cool. Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge. Mm, I don't know if that's any good or not. I just saw it in there. <laughs> Catechus. Oh, Catechus is a mind-blowing game. Yeah, Armalite. That's another one. Very uh, good game, yeah. Cybernoid 2. Excellent yeah, we had music. Amazing two. music in Cybernoid 2. Emily Hughes International Soccer, which oh, is... Po- that was popular. It was. I loved that game. So 1943 appears, Bomboozle, which I seem mm. to remember as being pretty good. The game Summer Edition mm. and Savage. <laughs> Savage. 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 Oh. Ow. <laughs> Savage. Savage. 
That's why I included that one. So there's loads of games still to come. There's tons of stuff we've still got to go through. We're only at 1988. We've got 88, 89, 1991, I think is yeah, pretty much where stuff. Yeah, because there's games I know that are good in there, like things like Myth isn't in there, and that's really good. And Yeah, I think that's 89. Yes, I say so. We've got loads, loads, there's loads still there's to loads come. There's, there's, there. Yeah, there's still like monsters in monsters in Mayhem Land or whatever, monsters in Mayhem, uh, creature, creatures, creatures too. Yeah. There's tons of stuff still going on. But yeah, so we are we are focusing. Our focus is still the C64. We will be doing that. That's it what has we're to doing. Be. It yeah. has to be. It has to be. So there you go. That's our awards. We do have some plans for our Patreon, but we will announce them when we actually do it. And so yeah, so we, you know we're still going on. We're just taking a break for a week off, so we'll be not around next week. Avail yourself of the previous seventy seven episodes or whatever there is up now. Yeah, you know, let's listen back to them early ones and see how polite we were. <laughs> how full of optimism and joy we were back then <laughs> before we became cynical, cynical. Yeah, no. And how much I mean, this is officially the end of season three, believe it or not, which is, is kind yeah. of incredible. So our third season comes to an end. So that's gonna take me ages to figure out that I put the wrong season into the thing. So <laughs> you gotta click it up. So we're going to season four four which is mind blow when we do just so many so much cool things to look forward to and of course we'll be developing other things and, and just interesting exciting ideas and stuff like that so we have yeah forward to it you know there's so many good games out there still to play and we can't you know we, we do we do literally play them so you don't have to and you, we've got 300 and at least 300 of those games that could that probably applies to maybe 250 maybe probably more yeah probably more I don't know. That, probably more than that i mean how many games is that we've played in total for the whole thing it must be in the 500 600s is it oh god knows let me see and, if but, can... and also by the time this episode is emerging from its um pod bean glory i imagine we'd probably be up to fifty thousand downloads by then which is very exciting and what an amazing oh, yeah, yeah, and humbling yeah. thing that is so thank you uh, say thank you to everybody absolutely yeah um there were 217 games last year 320 this year um i don't know what we had in the first year i've got that to hand but it was probably something like about 100 and it was 100 about 180 was it something like 100, 150 i don't know it was 100 odd so we're probably somewhere in the region of about six to seven hundred games now we've looked at oh my gosh <laughs> i know <laughs> we've got pixeling of the brain I know, three years ago, someone said, Graham, by this time in three years' time, you would have played over 600 Commodore 64 games in a little over a year. And I said, the world's not that big. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes, no tears, please. Oh God, I think uh, if I cried, good. if I cried, it would be little pixel cubes, little yeah, it would fat Commodore sixty four pixel cubes coming out. Yeah, in four colours with a background yeah. colour. Four four colour tears, no four colour tears here, please. <laughs> it's a waste. It's a waste of good it's, pixels. It's a waste of good resolution. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh, there we go. Uh, just to say, as I, as I mentioned, we do have a Patreon. If you wish to support us, I know times are tight and everything like that. There are two tiers. There's the basic one, which is just a pound, um, which continues to fall. So it's probably about worth 5p elsewhere. So if you wish to support us at that level, that is obviously, we thank you very much. Uh, it helps us keep going. It helps us you know, show support and what have you. There's the higher level, which is uh, the equivalent of whatever £4.50 is. Um, and that gets you access to the Discord. That gets you access to the uh, podcast. You get them earlier and you get them ad-free and anything else we are doing. And we do have some plans up our sleeves for stuff coming. So that's it. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's the awards. The awards are done, Graham. That's yeah. it. That's 1987 season done. Season three done. Do you have anything you wish to say looking forward to next year or not? I'm just, uh, I would just like to iterate what you've said. Just thank you to all the people that have downloaded and listened to the podcast. Thank you to the people that continue to do so. And uh, long may your listening continue while we keep recording it and, and we enjoy doing it. We hope that you're enjoying it too. That's why we do it. So yeah, just thanks. Thanks for listening and keep on listening because we've got some more stuff to come. Indeed. Indeed. And on that note, I'll just echo that. Yep. Brilliant. On that note, 
I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past, and we will see you in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.